Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, greetings from the Gulf Coast of Florida. It's, uh, it's actually, I think it's going to start to get a little cooler. <laughs> the days are getting a little bit shorter. It's not quite as disgustingly hot, although it's still, uh, it's still pretty bad out there. So I try and stay out of it as much as possible, uh, unless I'm doing a, a bike ride, in which case I'm stuck with whatever the weather is. But I, I like my bike ride, so what are you going to do? Currently 75 degrees. That's good. High today is going to be only, 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 only um, 97. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, so it's like, yeah, it's still pretty bad. Okay, right. But it's like it's a shorter time. So instead of being 97 for several hours, it's only 97 uh, for a little bit. So I'm expecting Tarity to call here any minute now. We'll get, we'll get our, our update. Then we got uh, Derek Park with the financial report. Then I've got a, a free hour to uh, go over some of the, uh, the latest uh, from Obama Swampy, otherwise known as Vivek Ramaswamy. And then I've got uh, Bianca Barn Creek checking in from the West Coast, uh, or as we call it, the Left Coast. <laughs> so that should be kind of interesting. Uh, in fact, let me see if I can. Uh, I wonder if I should remind Tara. Oh, Tara, <laughs> it's radio time. <laughs> we can't to do that around here. Uh, I know it's terrible. All right, let me see what I can uh, do, 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 do. And yeah, just give her a little little reminder. You know, so I'll give her a little. Where are you? Do, do. Don't mind me. I'm just typing away. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 that goes. Yep, there we go. <laughs> She'll see that in a second. Okay, then I have another text. I'll tell somebody else I'm on the air. Everybody wants to call me as soon as they get on the air. It's really crazy. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the big news. The big news was yesterday. The big news is that I had Chadwick Moore on the show, and it was fascinating to talk to him. He's the one who wrote the biography of uh, Tucker Carlson, known simply as Tucker. And he's doing book tours. He's going around the country. He's doing a whole bunch of media. We only had him for 25 minutes. But in that short time, uh, we found out a bunch about him, about the book. But I accomplished two things that I really wanted to accomplish. The first one was to suggest that uh, for the next Goober debate, and he likes the idea of calling the GOP Goobers, um, that uh, I think it's September 27th. I just heard that in the news. I wasn't sure when it was yesterday. Anyway, that uh, both um, Robert Kennedy and Donald Trump sit down together and have a conversation. Uh, with Tucker Carlson, and that would be fabulous. So he's taking that idea to uh, to Tucker Carlson. The other thing that came up on the show was was my shamelessly promoting, but also but absolutely essential uh, idea if we we're going to change the country, um, and that is that um, I proposed to Chadwick Moore that I go on the show with Tucker and actually uh, write a bill. He actually writes a bill, and I work with him writing a bill on the air, and then we send it direct to Congress. Let's bring uh, Tara D. on now. Let's see what she thinks of that uh, rather inspiring idea. Tara, did you hear any of the details? Did you get a chance to hear the interview yesterday? With no, unfortunately, I didn't. I just logged in. So. Okay, well, that's fine. We've got, that's why everything's podcast. I mean, everybody has busy lives. I understand. I, don't even, I have a trouble listening to my own stuff, and I'm the one that does it, so you know, believe <laughs> me. Uh, it gets kind of crazy. But anyway, but yeah, so I proposed to him that um, – uh, that I go on the show with Tucker and that we actually write a bill. And so I sent him an email after the show. So he's got our websites. He's got some sample bills, actually real ones, actually. Uh, he knows what we do. He liked the one on uh, uh, taking away the power of Congress to borrow money. And so <laughs> you guys are like, oh, you guys are serious, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, People don't believe it. You know, oh, yeah. I, I think it takes a while to sink in. But anyway, so that's where we stand. So the potential of this is that if I get on Tucker's show, um, we're going to have millions of listeners. 
I mean, literally. Yeah, that's amazing. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then we'll have some real effect, and we'll see how well – I know this is going to work. I just don't know how well it's going to work. But if millions of people start sending in bill links to Congress and saying, pass this or, or I'm, not, I'm not voting for you, you know, that's going to change politics forever because now they can say, uh, we're doing the best we can. We're working on it. We've uh, taken it under advisement. It's in our committee. We're studying the issue. And mm-hmm. people can, can, once we write a bill, say, well, once you bypass all that, we've already written the bill for you. Here it is. <laughs> you know, and I don't know how oh, that's yeah. going to affect it, but it's going to change everything, I think. Well, that would be Your great because we definitely need some changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get on to your, your uh, specialty, which is the critters. I hear some critters in the background. Okay. So what's happening yes, at the shelter? We, First of all, let's get have... the, the, the background basic, you know, who, where, all that stuff. We should probably start with that. It's always a good thing. Gotcha. Okay. So um, I'm Tara D. This is from Santa Rosa County Animal Services. We're in Milton, Florida at 4451 Pine Forest Road. Our phone number is 850-983-4680. And our website is santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. We are also on Facebook as well and Instagram. And okay. we have, um, I've, I've got lots of lots of babies around the office. Uh, we are over capacity, so I think every office has uh, at least one animal in it this morning. So, oh my goodness, that sounds exciting. Well, you know, it, yeah, it, it's you fun, have but it's, a, it's because... a little chaotic. So, <laughs> oh, okay, well, but uh, that's kind of fun. I mean, you know, you know, you, you don't run a library there, so <laughs> it makes sense. That you <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so my particular friend for the week has been a little hound dog, and he Mm. started out very quiet, and now he's very demanding. But he's super, super cute, and he's a heavy heartworm positive, so we're trying to get him out to a foster home. And he's a little guy, probably like mm, under 40 pounds, maybe 30-ish pounds. But he's adorable, and he loves treats, and he just will come up and get in your lap and hug you and look at you with these big, sweet, eyes and he's got big ears and he's just the cutest thing in the world so try to do my work and then i get distracted by the cute dogs in here so <laughs> well that's part that's actually part of the work that's the fringe benefits you get the, yeah it, by, that's yeah. true that's part of the benefits of the good part of the job yeah loving on the yeah. pets and socializing them so it's like i'm socializing really i'm working with exactly. the animals so yeah just happen to so be what... getting some hugs while, while it's going on so. <laughs> well yeah i mean i always thought it'd be fun to work with birds or things like that but because uh, i'm mm-hmm. kind of a bird fan but then i you know it just came to the realization one day that I don't want to keep birds anymore. I had them as a kid and, uh, and older. And I thought, you know what? Next time I, I uh, you know, play with birds, I'm going to have live on an island and just have them fly in naturally. I think we talked about that. Um, uh-huh. You said something about the, the hound heavy heart or something. What, what is it you mentioned? Yeah, so he's um, heavy heartworm positive. So heartworms are, oh, okay. that's a problem that we see a lot here in the south, especially it's transmitted by mosquitoes. So basically the mm-hmm. mosquito bites the pet and carries the larvae, and if it's not treated or if they're not on prevention, eventually it will basically run its life course and make its way through the animal's heart and attach to the heart and basically continue to grow and multiply. They literally suck the life out of the dog. So we'll see dogs that are... Um, you know, extreme advanced cases will have bloated bellies and they have trouble breathing, they're heavy coughing. And we see we see it a lot here in the south because of the mosquitoes. So that's something we always make sure to tell everyone like, you know, if you're not if you're from up north, you really maybe don't even keep them on prevention or maybe it's seasonal, but here it needs to be all the time due to mosquitoes. So we see a, a lot of heartworm positive dogs. Luckily, we are in a position now since we have a vet on staff that we can treat them for that. Um, uh-huh. You know, previously in the old days when we euthanized a lot, any dog with a heart and positive, like 
that was that was it. He was euthanized. So thankfully, that's not the case anymore. Now we have the option to treat them, but it is um, it's very expensive and it can be hard on the dog. So we always try to find them a foster because we don't want them going through that medical procedure here. And it's just the recovery time. It's about a month or so, and it's obviously mm. better for them to be in a nice home than sitting in the hot shelter. What's the treatment? Do you have to physically remove the the, uh, the heartworms or is it a uh, no, drug so, treatment or what? So what they do is they start off with a course of antibiotics, and that's like right. a 30-day course. And then they'll do an injection. It's, uh, I believe, called Diraban or Amidocide. So the, the injections are like a two-day thing. And basically it's going to kill the worms, but they're going to die off in the bloodstream. So that's why the dog has to stay calm because you don't want right. them to, like, throw a clot or something as they're, uh, you know, dying off on the in the bloodstream. And then mm-hmm. after 30 days, they kind of can, so, can start going back to the regular activity. And it has, like, a 92 93% success rate, the, the treatment. So it's – unless the dog is so, so, you know, advanced, then they would have an alternate plan. But for most dogs, we catch it. It can be treated. And as long as we're kept on prevention, then it's it's a non-issue in the future. Hmm. Can you just look at a dog and, and see – this or is it uh, medical No, you can't really you tell unless, unless it's a senior dog and they're severe and they're in an advanced stage, you might be able to look at their body and you might have a suspicion, but usually, you know, um, if it's a young, healthy dog, you won't be able to tell by looking at them. So the way we tell is we do a blood draw. Um, you can check it under the microscope and that lets you mm-hmm. see the babies or the microfilaria. And then when we do that, we have a little snap test. It's kind of like a pregnancy test. You put the blood on there, the chemical, <laughs> and then it lets you know, you know, the dots, if it's positive or not. And it, it's just takes a few minutes. Any vet can do that test if anyone is, you know, looking to see how their dog is, if their dog is positive. But it, it's a pretty simple test. We just draw some blood, get the test done, and then we, we know the status. So it's pretty simple. That's interesting. Yeah. So I never thought about this, but I guess you do pregnancy tests on dogs too, right? Uh, we do not, but I oh, okay. think there, I there are available. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, you know, that I'm sure that they have those maybe at vets' offices or whatever, but that's kind of a non-issue for us because anything that comes in here is hopefully already fixed, but if it's not, we have it on schedule. And so once they go under the anesthesia, you know, it has happened in the past where we found a dog was already, you know, that that they were pregnant, but it was, you know, once they go under the anesthesia, it's a different story. So, but we tried, that's why it's so important. We try to spay and neuter animals so that that's not going to be a problem because we just have a, a really big overpopulation of animals in our area. So spaying and neutering mm. is the way to, one of the top two ways to get get that handled. Why would we have an overpopulation? What's going on? Well, we well we just have a lot of, I think part of the problem is that, you know, it's very expensive now. There are low-cost clinics, but you have to do your research and, and locate them. We don't have any directly in our county. So people mm-hmm. are having to, you know, travel to a different county to get that procedure done. Some of the spays and neuters, for some of the vets here, it's, it can be very expensive. It can be several hundred dollars, and a lot of people may not have that kind of money just for a one-time surgery. You know, some people plan, some people don't. So if, if a dog shows up at your house or a cat and you're like, you know, I want to do the right thing, let me help this animal, but maybe mm-hmm. you don't have $500 to put into that animal to get them altered, uh-huh. well, you can feed them. Feeding is cheap, but if you don't fix them, they're going to multiply, and then there's there was one cat, now there's eight. And then a year from now, there's 40. So it's very, very important, you know, if you are going to take on the responsibility of a pet, that you are able to, you know, be accountable and get them spayed or neutered. And if you need help, just reach out. 
there are different organizations in the county, you know, that try to assist people, and we are working on things for that as well. And one of the groups locally, AHOPE, is working on a brick-and-mortar building, a low-cost clinic. And it's still a little ways out, but when that happens, I think it's going to be a game-changer for our area to allow people to have a really low-cost option for spay and neuter and locally, and it's just going to be a huge help because there's just so many animals. People need help, and they want help, but sometimes it's just out of their reach financially. So we want you know, as a community, we need to we need to fix that problem, and that's going to solve a lot of our overpopulation problems for animals. I wonder if the influx of the uh, amazing amount of people that are flowing in here, thanks to our dear, you know, house building companies and uh, county commissioners, they've just uh, they have no idea of growth or management or anything like that. So there's a lot more people here. Is that bringing a lot more animals? Yes, I'm, I'm absolutely. Guessing? We have more okay. animals for sure because you have to look mm-hmm. at it like, hey. We only had in this square footage, there was this many animals, and now there's, like you said, all these houses being built. People are going to bring pets. I think, uh, I don't know the statistics, but I know it's like there's two-point-something pets per household is the average. So you got to figure, not every person's going to have a pet, but every, you know, the, the odds are every other person's going to have a pet. And so that's a lot of pets, and a lot of people have more than one pet. So, yeah, we're going to be inundated with animals, and you're going to get great owners that are responsible, and you're also going to get people that are not, that are just hmm. going to let their dogs run loose. They're not going to stay and neuter. They're not going to vaccinate. So you're going to get a mixed bag of that. So it's just, yeah, we definitely, we have done a lot of growth um, here in our shelter, which is great. We've, you know, they've upped our budget. We've hired more people, and we're still not where we need to be because we're just playing catch-up. So I'm hoping that as we progress that that will be, you know, and, and our government, our local government has been very supportive of shelter. So just have to give them kudos because there was a time when we were just like the redheaded stepchild in the county, but we are very lucky now, like, you know, to have a vet on staff and to have the amount of employees that we do. It's just that we we're super lucky, but there's always room for improvement and we're really working hard to continue on that path. Yeah, but you guys can't grow like the county is growing. I mean, I don't know if the population – I got here in 2017. I don't yeah. know if the population's doubled since I got here, but it wouldn't surprise me. But you guys haven't doubled Yeah, there is a lot more folks, and we see a lot more activity. Yeah, like you yeah. said, a lot more animals are coming in and out. So our shelter was built, I want to say, in like mm, – I started in 2001, so I believe it started in – this particular shelter was like 1999. So it mm-hmm. was built for how, you know, how the county was then. So we, we definitely <laughs> – at a point where we need more space and, and yeah. bigger and better, so to speak. So, Well, and people, you know, manage their pets better. I, I still wonder, though, mm-hmm. um, because I see, I mean, I see everybody has animals. You know, I've, I've done delivery jobs and I've been in uh-huh. houses and now almost every house has a dog. They probably have cats, too, but right. they don't come to the door barking, so you don't know. But <laughs> Yeah. And nothing against, uh, Panera, what is the attraction? I mean, do I sometimes wonder, do people, they grew up with pets, they figure they still have to have them. They, um, it's just the kids scream, oh, I want, a, you know, I want a dog, I want this, and then, of course, they don't take care of them. What's, what's the, the, the reason for so many animals, considering the fact that some, there's a certain percentage of people that just don't take care of them properly? So, right. Well, I think I think it's probably a combination. A lot of people, oh, my kid wants a dog. I should get a dog. But for right. the for the pet lovers, the people that are really just you know people love animals and you know they're their companions and they're trusted mm-hmm. confidant. And so I think a lot of people like it's truly you know part of their life. They grew up with pets and they always have pets and they want pets in their life and they don't feel like complete without pets like I right. you know in my mid-20s I didn't have a dog and it, it was very strange to me because I'd grown up with pets and you know so in my adult life I've always had two or more pets and that you know and now that I'm older I 
I probably am going to keep it at, you know, probably a couple because, you know, more sometimes is, it was, especially with bigger dogs, can be a lot of work. So, mm-hmm. and, but, you know, I can't imagine not having pets. So I may adjust the lifestyle of the pet I get. I might, you know, now I'm into the lazier dogs. When I was younger, I, I had more active dogs. But <laughs> told me this before. Definitely now we're looking for lazy dogs in my home. So, but, you know, and I think for a lot of people, it, it gives them comfort maybe, especially like for seniors, they maybe live alone and that can provide a, a literally a friend for them so that they don't feel so alone. So there are many benefits to owning a pet, but you have to responsibility with that as well. And a lot of people do not want to or are not willing to take the responsibility along with it. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, I don't know what the percentage yeah. is, but uh, that's why we have a shelter, you know. But uh, I'm not worried about mm-hmm. pet lovers. They're the good folks. They're doing fine. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, It's right. the people that think they have to have one or the kids, you know, screamed and yelled and they want to be good parents and friends to kids. And it's like, you know, I mean, certain people like you know, me should not have a pet. Uh, not because I don't like animals. Mm-hmm. I love animals. It's because, of, because I love right. animals that I don't want a pet. Because I don't have the time, the space, the energy, uh, you know, and just the whole the whole thing that uh, that goes along with yeah, it. Yeah, and, and, and that's great. It, it takes time. time. You know, you're yeah. we're aware of that, and you've acknowledged that. And some people, you know, probably should acknowledge that and be like, oh, this is probably not a good fit for me. But right. you know, we have a lot of people that come in and get animals, and and maybe you didn't do your research, or maybe whatever. But you know, this is a living, breathing, not human, but this is a living, breathing animal. So when you take that animal home, you know, like it should be obligatory that you at least give it a fighting chance. We have a yeah. little adopt something and bring it back like three days later. It's like, that's not enough time to, to, to see if they're going to make, you know, yeah, they haven't fit found their way around the house yet. <laughs> they haven't done anything. Yeah. They don't even know where the back door is. So they definitely may have an accident, but yeah, yeah. you have to give the yeah. animal time to, to decompress and to just start learning your routine so that they can fit in. And when people give that amount of time, like, we see that mm-hmm. a lot of times maybe an initial problem isn't really a problem. It's just the, the pet is getting used to the new home, and it takes a little time. So that's, you know, just what we try to stress mm-hmm. to people. Like, don't just give up on the animal. Like, they've already had a lousy life probably if they're here. Not always, but often. Yeah. And so if you're going to come well, in, you're going to adopt, that. and you're like, I'm going to save yeah. them, then take the time and try to actually make them part of your family. Yeah, you're not taking a, a, an animal from a shelter just you know because they've had a, a fabulous life and everything's been perfect. Otherwise, you know, yeah. And so yeah, uh, and ideally, don't just yeah. do it for the money. <laughs> don't do it for the, the lower exactly. And we're not, supposed to be here. the shelter. Yeah. It's supposed to be a temporary place for animals right. to come through that are lost. And if a percentage uh-huh. of them can't be reunited, then we rehome them. But what we're having instead is over the years the shelter has become a dumping ground for who no longer want the responsibility of the pet they get a pet oh it jumped on the kid or oh it barked at somebody it growled and it growled at my kid when the when my kid tried to ride him like a pony well yeah so you have to you know you have to think of those things and 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 i think maybe our our society has gotten away with like away from being respectful of animals in some aspects mm. where we expect this animal to never have a bad reaction ever. I'm not saying yeah. it's, it's appropriate for a dog to bite. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying, you know, you don't want them to bite your kid, obviously, but you also need to teach your child that they should respect an animal. Don't go digging food out of their bowl. Don't take something out of their mouth. Don't ride them, you know, get on their back. You could physically hurt them. So things like that I think that the community may have gotten away from that still need Mm. to be really, really stressed when when there are children involved because for their safety and for the animal's safety. And so hopefully, you know, we'll get back to those things where you're kind to animals and you're respectful of their, their space as well because you want them to be respectful to the humans. But 
you know, it goes both ways even with animals. That makes sense. Uh, I had a question on Heartworm before we were talking about this. Uh-huh. You said it's mosquito, mosquito-born, so it's a, a worm yes. for mosquitoes? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yes. Yeah, is so if you'll see commercials for like heart, I'm sorry? Right. Is it transferable to humans at all, or is it? Oh no, uh, so it's not specific? transmittable to humans, or or if cats can get it, but it's it's quite it's pretty uncommon for cats to get it, but it is possible. So they, you know, that is something. But primarily, it's dogs. They can't um, transmit it from dog to dog. It's from the mosquitoes. So if your dog has heartworms, he's not going to give it to your other dog. He's got it, and you have to treat him. But you don't have to worry about the other dog getting it unless another misses it that way. So, and the prevention is. Fairly inexpensive. I mean, it's for a big dog. It's about I think maybe forty dollars for a six month supply, and it also deworms them when you give them that pill every month. So it's it's pretty easy. They're like a flavored treat. You get it for the dog. Usually the dog thinks it's good and eats it. If not, you put it in some cheese. So it's it's pretty minor in the big scheme of things. Um, the prevention. Huh. Yeah, this being a tropical climate, pretty much you're going to have a lot more things like that uh, like that out there. Um, We've got, I think, a case of malaria or something like that. You know, we've got uh, 15 million people crossing yeah. our border, bringing all kinds of new things in. Of course, the the, the mosquitoes uh-huh. are going to be transferring stuff around. Um, are you, if if there's a rise in human disease, is that going to affect the animals? Something like malaria. Uh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good question. I really don't know. I know when we had COVID, you know, that was actually a concern when that was going around because people really didn't know what it was going to bring and if, if it was huh. transmittable to, to dogs. And people were, you know, when it first came out, people didn't so know. Curious. So we were all like, well, we just wait and see, you know, because yeah, I think yeah, a couple yeah. big cats were tested in a zoo and tested positive. So, but, um, you know, that kind of never, you know, kind of never panned out. We do have a couple things that, you know, we see on the regular. It's not really in, it's not really gone up, but things that are transmittable to the human. So we always have to be on the lookout for that, like for ringworm, which is a skin issue, you know, a fungus, mm-hmm. but, it, but it is something we can transmit from, you know, the animals can. You can see that Yeah. Yeah. You can usually see it and you'll have a red kind of a red scaly spot and it's very itchy. And sometimes it is harder to see it on the animals though, unless they lose hair, you might not see it and you could, you know, the hmm. cat could give it to you. Um, it's not life threatening or anything. It's a fungus though, so it does take a while to clear. So that's kind of, it's more annoying than anything. But then there are other, um, zoonotic diseases that you can pick up, um, you know, like in stool and stuff, Giardia being one of those. So that's just something to consider. And it's, it's not that dogs are this just pot of disease, you know, but it's just <laughs> with anybody else or anything else or with cats, everybody can, you know, be susceptible to different viruses and diseases. So just, you know, just basic sanitary measures usually will take care of the issue. Yeah, don't walk barefoot through uh, the poop. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. 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 And sense. try to pick yeah. up the poop in your yard. So that's one thing mm. that also, if you have dogs and you just, you know, you leave the, you know, you leave the, the duty in the yard everywhere. Well, number one, if your kids run around, maybe they're going to step in it. And it's just gross. And it's gross. No one mm. wants to step in it and get it on their shoe. But also, mm-hmm. it, you know, it can transmit, um, you know, parasites. So pick it up and hopefully if the neighbors have their dogs out, they pick theirs up and then it's just, better that way yeah yeah okay um who we got for for any other uh featured uh, critters this week so we have our we have a full house at the shelter so we have lots mm. of cats and kittens we have lots of dogs but i wanted to kind of talk about our puppies um so we this is our okay. last few days of the clear the shelter event so it's a national event but our adoption fees are waived today and tomorrow Basically, that means if you come in and adopt a dog or cat, you're still going to do your paperwork. You're still going to get an animal that's spayed or neutered. 
current vaccinations, microchip, but the fee will be waived, so you're going to pay $0. And we don't want someone just to come get it because it's free, but we want to encourage people to come and take a look. If you were thinking, it's a great time to come. So we have some amazing puppies. They came in really skinny and had some parasites, and they've all been treated for that. We've all um, they've all been spayed or neutered, and so now they are ready to go to their new homes. And we have I think three here at the shelter, and we have a couple more at one of our partner. Uh, we have a different fosters uh, in our foster program. One of them is a local boarding and grooming place, Chasing Tails. So they've got a couple of our puppies there that are ready for adoption. So we would love people to come on down, see if you see one of the puppies that you like, or we can send you over there to check out the other two. But there were I think nine or ten originally, so. We're, we've gotten some adopted, but these guys, you know, they're puppies. They don't want to stick, you know, stick around the shelter. It's boring, and I don't know if you can hear them in the background, but they're very chatty. Oh, yeah. I can definitely hear them in the background. Barking. Yeah. It, it gives an <laughs> yeah. authenticity so, to your report to your animals in the background. Yeah, it's, yeah, where I really am here. I'm not at home. I'm at the shelter, as you can yep. hear by the noise. But, yeah, so they're super cute puppies, and, you know, they're ready to be adopted <laughs> today. They could go home and make somebody a fabulous pet. So those are yeah. kind of the main ones that we're working on. And then on... Um, on our Facebook page, we did a senior special. We focused on our seniors, and through the end of the month, that adoption fee is also waived. And we mm-hmm. did like a play on football. So we've got our, our senior team, you know, our, our starting team. So if you're into football, you know, go check out our Facebook. It's some really cute, our PIO. Wait, wait, really like a fantasy dog that. team so, for football? What, what are you talking well, about? Well, it's kind of like, yeah, like, so we, they took some of our, our senior dogs and made them like linebackers, wide receivers, <laughs> and they gave their stats. Yeah, it's very, very cute. I and love it. And linebacker, so, the St. Bernard, you know, wide receiver, the Greyhound. Right. <laughs> Oh, exactly, gosh. but it's really yeah. cute. So I would encourage people to go check out their pictures and their stats, and you might have a uh-huh. favorite player. So if you see one you like, come in, because, again, those adoption fees are going to be waived till uh, the end of the month as well. So we're just trying to get some babies from homes, and also we're really pushing for fosters right now. Even if we can't find an adopter, if we can at least get dogs out to a foster, because we've got a dog in every office, which is not a bad thing. It's kind of fun, like you said, you know, to have a buddy for the day while you're in your office. But we're, oh, we there. literally have dogs in every kennel and every office. And if a dog comes in in emergency, like we're having to basically put crates in different crevices and nooks and crannies in the shelter right now. So it, it would be nice to have a little bit of breathing room if the, in case an emergency comes in because we have nowhere to put anyone. So we're, we're just really saying, hey, people, come adopt, come foster. It's a great time to do it and really, really needed right now. Yeah. When I was there, there was a dog in every room, uh, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. But uh, we should direct folks to a video. Tara and I made a video. I just held the phone. She talked. It was great. Um, but uh, it's about <laughs> an hour long. And it really gives a good uh, description and a good view of the shelter. because so we walked all over it. Uh, and so mm-hmm. that's on their on – their, you still have that Facebook page? Is it pinned or is it somewhere hiding away? Because that would be a good uh, reference for people. I'd- you know, I would have to look. Honestly, I'm not exactly sure where it is yeah. at the moment. But, yeah, it's on yours, though, right? So they can pick it up. Well, I have it on my there. Action Radio video page uh, where I put okay. all uh, okay. all the videos that I make. Uh, but we also have other people making videos. And for some reason, I have, like, 50 people from the Philippines trying to join the group. And I have no idea what's going on there because mm, I didn't ask them to join. <laughs> and Facebook does something <laughs> weird. They, 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 don't, uh, they, they say that the person's already joined. 
I'm like, well, they didn't answer the questions. You know, I didn't approve them. How mm-hmm. can they have already joined? <laughs> you know, so it's a uh, oh, maybe yeah. one person. We get that problem, too, yeah. with our foster pages and stuff. We try to, right. if someone's interested in fostering, we try to add them on. But sometimes you're like, well, you know, you're in a different country, mm-hmm. and I don't really think you're going to foster. So we do try to yeah. just take a peek at their profiles just to make sure. Because we've had spam people on there trying to sell stuff before, which is not cool. We're trying to stop puppies out we, or kitties. We don't really want to have our have our um, volunteers being inundated with a bunch of, you know, spam like that. So, Well, I get that too. And it really drives me crazy. It's like, if you, if you want to post something on my group for your group, your show, mm-hmm. your promotion, your business, offer me something, mm-hmm. share my show. Exactly. You know, just, exactly. Just, you know, yeah. Don't just come into my group and expect that you're going to be able to, you know, get the free advertising. And stuff. I put a lot of work into this, just like you guys do too. So do you ever get like pet mm-hmm. food companies or, or other shelter, not shelters, but uh, breeders maybe saying, hey, come to us instead of the shelter kind of thing? Do you ever get like spam like that on your, on your page? Um, well, what we do, yes, we get breeder um, posts sometimes. Like we'll huh. have, it'll show, oh, come check these puppies out. And it's breeders selling puppies. And we're like, you know, that's not going to, that, that that's not good. And also we have, we've noticed in the past, I don't know, three or four months, we've had the, the I don't know what you, what you call it exactly, but they're trying to sell t-shirts, merch from our shelter. So it's not authorized. It's just, a, and I don't know if they even make it or if it's just a complete scam. So, so our, um, our social media team, our Facebook folks, the moderators are really busy trying to make sure that those come off because we don't want people to send their good money out to something that, and it, you know, and it's a scam. So that's, we try to, that's a consumer our, protection yeah. issue. Yeah. That's a fraud issue. That yeah. Be, it happens. Um, it happens a lot. And so it gets reported, but literally what they'll do is they'll go to the older post. And so right. it's not noticed right away and they'll start spamming like every single post and our, our volunteers and our followers are great about letting us know when they see that they will get start getting messages. Hey, you know, they're making those posts about the shirts again so that we can, they're really good about helping us stay on top of it because we don't want anyone to be swindled. If you want to, you know, support the shelter, there are ways you can do it and we'll let you know, but, you know, it, it's not anything to do with a random place buying merch. Yeah, and you can always block people like that too. Okay. Uh, Derek's going to yes. check in here any minute now, so let's just do the uh, the contact one more time, uh, Facebook page, things okay. like that, so people can find you because this is, it goes so fast. I mean, this half hour just whizzes by. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, I never have to worry um, about asking questions. Fun. I even had another question too, but uh, that's okay. Maybe we, well, let me ask you real quick. Um, do you ever take okay. requests for people? Can people say, hey, next time you get, you know, uh, a, a whatever, a Rottweiler in, can you let me know? Does, does that ever happen or no? Um, so we used to have a wish list, but what we found was that we would call someone and maybe they didn't make it up for a couple of days and someone else gets up there sooner and it caused right. a lot of chaos. So we will take information, but it, it doesn't um, guarantee that we'll call you the first. So it's first come, first serve. And But if we know someone's looking for something particular, you know, we, we try to basically we tell them monitor the website. But if it's like, hey, I'm looking for, like you said, a Rottweiler, we don't get those in too often. And somebody might make a notation so that we can kind of just remember, oh, hey, they're yeah. looking for this specific. If they're looking for a mixed breed dog and we're like, we have that 100 times over, come come look. And um, so yeah. the best thing is to come in. But if it's something unique, then we try to stay on top of that. And if it helps, you know, them get a pet and us get a pet out. So Go to the rescue. Yeah. I tell you what, we got Derek Absolutely. here right now. So let's just give the, the, the quickest uh, uh, phone number, address, uh, Facebook page, and then I'll get to Derek. And thank Absolutely. you again. It's been fun. All right. Yeah. yeah thanks for having us. Um, so our phone number here is 983-4680, area code 850. The shelter is Santa Rosa County Animal Services at 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Website is santarosa.fl.gov slash animals, or you can check us out on Facebook. 
Perfect. Thanks, Tara. Talk to you next week. All right. Thanks. Have a great week. You too. Bye now. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. You know, things are happening so fast here. I know we had a chance last week, and I've forgotten why. I don't remember who the guest was, but I know it was important because we had to do it, but uh, that was pretty crazy. So yeah, welcome back. What's going on? How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm well. I am, um, I'll tell you my news first of all, and I think I, I mentioned this uh, with our group chat and everything else. We had Chadwick Moore on yesterday uh, who wrote the bio of uh, Tucker, Tucker Carlson, and I gave him a couple of ideas, yeah. which, he's, which he's taking to Tucker Carlson, and I have no idea what's going to happen, um, but the possibilities are, one, the, the, just in general, that uh, Tucker hosts a debate or at least a discussion with Robert Kennedy and Donald Trump. That would be historic, but what would be historic for us? is if I get to go on Tucker's show and actually write a bill with him on the air and we submit it directly to Congress. That was the big idea cool. I sent him, and that, that's going to Tucker Carlson right now. So, I mean, it's, 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 this is real. Uh, this is potentially unbelievable uh, for all of us. So if he invites you know, the whole crew on the show, we're all going to go to Tucker's show. <laughs> He's, hey, you want to meet Alpha Action Radio? Okay. Let me bring some folks in. So uh, I tell you, right. it's, it's going to get more interesting around here. So how are you? Have you got any uh, boat time left for the summer? Or are we drawing to a close? Have you had your fun? Or are you still uh, still adventuring? No, I'm probably still adventuring. I mean, we had to, had the, the the jet skis out last week. Um, well, you you know, know, just uh, enjoying a weekend, I guess. Um, you know, and then uh, you know, I'm gonna uh, not not probably not golfing for a couple of weeks because uh, uh-huh. it's it's a little hot. <laughs> Yeah, well, can you golf in the dark? I mean, like glow in the glow in the dark golf balls or something like fluorescent green so, ones. Or, funnily know. enough, they they do have something like that. Um, they do. You know, I mean, they yeah, they they have it around here uh, where uh-huh. they do it like you know um, you know like nine holes and stuff like that, and it's a you know an, an event. Um, you know, I haven't seen it here re- uh, recently. Huh? You get like motion sensing lights, and you know, all of a sudden, as the ball goes through the air, the lights come on. It's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> This I think the really ball fun. just glows. I think you, I think you charge it, you know, under the uh-huh. light, and then you, then you hit the ball, and you know, it stays glowing, you know, until you go up and hit it again. Huh? Does it have a little GPS transmitter in it? I don't believe so. It does. Like when you go, when you go to something like Top Golf, those those do have, um, you know, some kind of tracker transmitter in it. <laughs> oh my God! I was joking. Well, you know, we've never yeah. really talked about tourism and leisure activities like golf. How much of our economy, yeah. you know, what's the big ones? Ping and something else, Fitlister. I forget Ping, what, uh, Callaway, how... Cobra, TaylorMade. Okay. I only know Ping because yeah. it's such a crazy name. That's how I remember it. Yeah. And what is the, go- what, what's the sound of a golf ball? Ping. Yeah. 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 So, so again, they've actually, that's, I, that's what I use for my driver <laughs> is a ping. Okay. So. okay. Does it yeah. go ping? When you hit the ball, it does actually. Um, well, you know, they have a very thing. unique noise to them. So, I mean, every driver is obviously going to make a noise, but some of them are right. a more dull thud rather than a than a loud ring. Yeah. So, ping ping is a little louder. 
<laughs> That's how we engineered into it. Well, like, oh, there's Marco in the Netherlands, so we get uh, hey Marco. This is almost his holiday, so he's off uh, um, pretty soon here. But uh, tourism, leisure studies, uh, not studies, leisure uh, activities, you know, recreation, boating. How much of that is our economy? Has it been drastically affected? Because these are usually luxury items as opposed to you know food, shelter, and necessities. Has that been hurt severely mm. by the economy? Um, you know, I, I right now I would say no. Okay. You know, so um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's we've seen um, you know, I mean, you're going to see ups and downs and everything. I just don't think it's it's taken hold yet. Okay. You know, and and because for those that uh, are trying to figure out where we are, we're the Gulf Coast. Uh, Derek's not that far from me, yeah. and so we're here on the Gulf Coast of Florida, and from Texas to Key West, you know, all, all the way across the Gulf Coast, it's like you know, boating central. We've got great food, we got fish, we got shrimp, you know, we got uh, there's there's great food, there's marlin, I guess, in the Gulf. I mean, there's every you know, most people have a boat of some. I haven't been on a boat. You believe I haven't been out on a boat yet? All the time I've been here. Because I've been uh, building this show up so much, but uh, I got—I want to start having some fun, so I got to increase my recreational activities. But I want to start flying again. That's, <clears> that's <throat> going my fun. Um, but uh, that's a big reason people move here, isn't it? I mean, the recreational activities. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, we've got one of the best beaches, uh, you know, in the United States, and sometimes, you know, I mean, incomparably in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we have a, a pretty big tourism industry, um, mm-hmm. you know I mean? So when it comes to, um, you know, some of the, some of the parks and some of the, you know, some of the beaches and things, yeah, that's, that's part of it. Um, you know, when it comes to other tourism, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of basic to the area. I mean, we got the Naval Museum, um, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, there's, 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 uh, uh, like the fort over in, um, Oh, my oh Fort Pickens? Um, Fort Pickens, Fort, Fort, Pickens, right. Fort Morgan. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, those are all nearby. So, um, you know, there's a couple Civil War battlegrounds, um, you know I mean? So, you know, other than, than kind of the beaches. And the, Which is the and, beach? And that, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're in Nebraska and you've never been to a beach, you're going to come down here. You know, it's it's, a, oh, yeah. it's due south. It's the quickest way here. You know, it's like the the, the East Coast people take uh, the Atlantic side. Uh, the middle of the country comes down to us. <laughs> you know, it's like whatever the quickest way yeah, in the water is. Right. You know, the, the, the Oklahoma crowd goes to Galveston. You know, they just straight down. Right. Um, it, but it, it's really Galveston just, isn't all that great. <laughs> oh, I haven't been there yet. Don't know. You know, I'm going to do a – well, yeah. maybe I'll take the show on the road at some point and just start showing up in different cities. All I need is my computer and my yeah. microphone and Wi-Fi and a plug. And I can do the show anywhere in the yeah. world. That's the beauty of it. So I might just start uh, doing yeah. that at some point. Uh, of course, the, well, who's the, the, time who's the who's, where's Marco at again? Is it the Netherlands? Isn't that right? Marco's in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. on almost every day. It's great. And so it's the end of his day there. It's about four o'clock um, Netherlands time. It's about seven thirty-eight here. So it's probably uh, well. I, I have my Netherlands clock. <laughs> I, should, I, yeah. I have a, you have a world clock on my phone, so I can tell you exactly what time it is. We'll see who gets there faster, him or me. Uh, London's 138, right. so let's see what uh, Amsterdam is. I know I've got it here somewhere. Ho Chi Minh City, Amsterdam, 238. So it's 238 in the afternoon. Uh, he, okay. says, for call- he types in kudos for calling it the Netherlands and not Holland. Marco, you've trained me. You've trained me what to say, even though Marco sounds <laughs> Italian. But that's okay. We'll worry about it later. <laughs> oh, Marco wants to know about Bitcoin, so we should include that on, in our report today. So I got to make a. Uh, I actually sure just looked at it. it. You know, I mean, I know we, we kind of forget it sometimes. <laughs> it's not We're all being trained but, here. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I did just just go and look at it, and, and okay. it, as a reminder. So, 
All right. Well, just one last question before we get to it. Tourism. Do you have any idea how much of an economic impact uh, that makes either regionally or like locally here or Florida? And is that a big reason we don't need a state income tax, for example? Just curious. Um, you may not know. Is it a reason to what now? What was the last part? Well, I'm just I'm thinking how much how much of our economy is tourism around here? Has that been measured or and how much of Florida's economy uh, is tourism? It's got to be huge. Is it is it measured? Yes. Uh, do I without having to do some quick research? I don't I don't know that. I'll, you know how it how it breaks down. But like Florida, you know, I mean, Florida is 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 huge in tourism. I mean, you got to take, right. you know, Disney, you got to take, you know, the beaches in Miami, the beaches all over the Panhandle, Florida Keys. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, like it's it's, um, you know, I mean, if you go to the East Coast, I mean, you got St. Augustine, which is like one of the bigger forts, you know, anywhere. Right. You know, yep. uh Golly, if you're if you're really adventurous off the Florida Keys, there's a place called Dry to Tortugas. Uh, heard of it. You know, which is yeah. a, a fort that's literally like right in the middle of the of the Caribbean. <laughs> you know, it's Oops. like no, like 50 good. miles off, or maybe it's 50 or 30 miles, um, you know, from Key West. Um, you know, and it's one of those Coquino forts that's that's uh, you know, it's it, it's one of the most rare visited places in the United States. So you know the so being a military guy, are you interested in the old forts? I I find it curious that's that's your focus of, of tourism. That's interesting. Yeah, I I just I've been to a lot of them. Um, I haven't been okay. to Tortugas. When we went to Key West, um, you know they actually have a ferry that goes out there, and uh-huh. there's tours and stuff. And if you're not on their rosters and manifest like months in advance, you're not going out there. Interesting. Um, and it's just like Mont Saint Michel. Yeah, it yeah. takes like two, two, two and a half hours to get out there, and then you're out there for half a day, and then it's like two and a half hours to get back. So, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an all day affair to go see Dry Tortugas. While it's super cool, I mean, I say that because they're, um, you know, I mean, these these things go back to like, you know, the Spanish settlers and and um, you know, that's sixteen hundreds. And, and yeah. Even, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so these things are these things are are ancient. You know what I mean? Golly, they're older than, than, you know, our country. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so is Harvard, which is kind of interesting. I just find it fascinating. You have to travel on the water for, for over two hours to get to a place called the dry Tortugas. I mean, that just, was it ever dry? (laughs) You know, was there like a land bridge or something way back when, or I'm not sure where the name comes from, to be quite honest. Um, you know, I'd have to look, I just know it's there. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I mean, I grew up between central Florida and Alabama. So, you know, I mean, those, those forts have been kind of an integral part of my upbringing so right. you know it, it's like really i i kind of know what's there like you know when it comes to other tourism and things like that you know i mean golly you can go anywhere in golf you know i mean there's there's everywhere's got golf courses you know so yeah we got golf courses we got good ones we got bad ones you know yeah. so um, we got a lot of your you know and we got, too uh speaking of tourists we have a lot of sure. folks coming over from everywhere yeah, yeah. Well, golf is international. Yeah. Uh, didn't the, oh, here's a question for you, too, before you get to report. The Saudi Arabians, wasn't there a big golf uh, scandal that they have their own league and certain players didn't join it and, they, and you couldn't be in both uh, the PGA and the, the Saudi league? Do, do you remember how that was working? Yeah. So, yeah, so they, they had a golf league. It's called Live, L-I-V. Um, okay. And basically what they were saying is, hey, we're going to create our own league and pay people more. Um, you know, and, and get more publicity. And a lot of people like defected, they went from the PGA over to live. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and the PGA said, okay, well, if you're live with, with live, you're done here. And, you know, it created this big all rift. And then it went for, you know, maybe a year or something. And then PGA said, okay, we'll join with live. <laughs> <laughs> so all these guys, you know, you can't beat them, did, join did, them. Yeah. Took this money. Yeah. 
Yeah, they they look like uh, they look like they did the right thing, and I mean, I, obviously, I mean these guys are competing because they're the best in the world, but you know, also they they you know it's a paycheck for them, you know yeah. they they golf for money, you know, so I mean if they can make more I money would. somewhere else and do what they love, why not? Yeah, you know I'd golf for money. Uh, I'd fly airplanes for money. <laughs> yeah, you know I do radio for money. <laughs> but that's the yeah. trick in life is to, the trick in life is to do what you love doing and get paid for it. I mean that's that's the secret, you know I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, and we're about to get millions more listeners. So uh, stand by. I told you things are going to get interesting around here. You know, keep climbing that ladder. You know, one uh, right. one different one different guest at a time, and we work our way up. Pretty soon, Trump will be on the show, and uh, then you can call in. I'll have I'll have a few select people uh, <clears throat> be able to do that. And then, of course, my real goal is to get us all to Mar-a-Lago, uh, all the reporters. Yeah. And so we call me. You know, I haven't met anybody. Uh, I, I've met you, but I haven't uh, anybody outside the area. I've never met. Never met Pianki. Never met uh, Brianna, haven't met Dorothy, haven't met Jonathan, haven't met uh, Tara I've met because she's local with the animal shelter. But uh, most of the folks here, Josie I've met, but most of the folks I haven't met at all because <laughs> they're all over the country. You know, it's kind of interesting. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I want to talk interest rates in a bit because they're still focused on this this 2% stealing our money. So let's get the report and uh, see if we can figure out. Because it used to be 3%. I guess I'm wondering if they figured they can't steal as much as they did before. So they've lowered their, their <laughs> estimate to 2%. So we, we've talked about that. But let's get the report, see what the numbers are, and uh, get Bitcoin, and uh, let's, let's see what's happening. Got you. All right. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. This is Derek with the Action Radio Economic and uh, – in, uh, uh, well, what do we call it? It's, it's economic financial and report? financial report. Yeah, there you call it is. the money okay. report. Yeah. You just call it the money report. Call whatever you want. Make up. Hey, listen, it's your report. You can call it whatever you want, and I'll just I'll just go along with it. So, so make up a good name, and we'll uh, we'll ask Marco. Marco, what should we call this? I, I like the money report. Because people like money. So it's kind of interesting. I'll do my radio voice, the one you told me not to do, and and you know, I'll start talking. I told you not to do. How can I tell you? You're not like to do you're like you don't. You, you, what was it? You, 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 you told me when I got on here. You're like, oh, you don't need to. You don't need to have some special radio voice. You know, he's like, just be normal. Oh, <laughs> that was way back in yeah. the beginning. I tell everybody that. Yeah, yeah. don't come on here and try, and try and sound like a radio person. Hey, that was great. Yeah. Right from uh, Milton, Florida, today with that, uh, the report. That's what I was getting at. Radio. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you can't do that. No, be yourself. If you want to do a fake voice, <laughs> yeah, of course it's yeah. fine. Like. Like I sometimes talk like from round hair, you know, to get my voice and I get all, all insulting of all the folks and they can't stand it. You know, the people that really have this accent, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anyway, but that's just for yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. So go for it. No, anyway. Well, good morning, voice. everybody. This is, uh, <laughs> this is Derek with the uh, Action Radio Financial Report. Uh, stocks finished lower. Equities closed lower on Thursday, reversing earlier gains. Today's uh, today's move follows Nvidia's strong earnings release after the market closed yesterday. Despite high expectations coming into the quarter, Nvidia reported second quarter revenue that was 20% above the consensus expectations, and excuse me, second quarter earnings are were nearly 30% higher than estimates. And these are driven by AI, uh, artificial intelligence, data center strengths. Overseas Asian markets finished higher on Thursday, with Japan's Nikkei closing up over 1%. While European markets were mixed, Treasury yields rose after the modest decline yesterday, while oil finished slightly higher. Markets will be eyeing the Fed-Jackson Hole meeting tomorrow, where Fed Chair Jerome Powell will speak about the U.S. economic outlook and provide his latest views on whether the monetary tightening will be necessary to tame inflation. Our view is that Powell likely will keep the Fed's options open and highlight data dependency. 
However, the recent improvement in inflation could provide support for no additional interest hikes. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> U.S. equities closed lower with the Dow Jones down 373 points or 1.08% to 34, 34,100. NASDAQ closed down 257 points or 1.87 to 30, or 13,464. S&P 500 closed down 60 points or 1.35% to 4,376. The, in the bond market, the 10-year Treasury yields trading at 4.24, higher by 0.05. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil was flat at 78.98, and the spot price of gold was down $2.90 or 0.15 to 1945.20. This is Derek Park of the Action Radio Financial Report. You can give me at 850-995-0082, and then I will follow up with Bitcoin. Looks like hmm. Bitcoin um, uh, close to about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, was doing pretty well. Was holding it about thirty thousand, based on um, the the Nasdaq. So the Nasdaq seems to be very linked to Bitcoin. So when your tech stuff starts to take a hit, Bitcoin, um, you know, Bitcoin seems to seems to follow along with it. So starting about August tenth, um, you know, uh, maybe maybe a little bit before, maybe it was August eighth. Um, you know, the tech market and the NASDAQ started taking a hit, and overall, over the past couple of weeks, it went back about uh, about 6 to 7%. Um, you know, Bitcoin seems to have dropped about 10%, um, and it seems to be tethered with what's going on with um, – what's going on with the tech market. Now, um, I did read some stuff here recently on Bitcoin that basically said um, there are more countries um, that are growing more crypto savvy. Um, and they're expecting that, um, you know, products and sales that use Bitcoin in some of these other countries are going to increase, which should increase its value and need. So uh, there is some speculation here in the next um, three to six months that they're expecting Bitcoin to see a significant price increase. So well, it's already 30000 know, right? 30000 for a it, coin? It was, yeah, it was at 30000 uh, 30176 uh up around the, the, the 10th of August, and now it's down to 26105 So it's dropped almost 11%. Um, yeah, current current trading value. It's dropped even 1% in the last 20, 24 hours. What was its high? 60-something thousand? Do you remember? Yeah, it was almost 70000 and I don't know if this is exactly, but I had it back at uh, 20, uh, end of 2021, peak of 2022 at $68,789. Interesting. So was that the highest from, I mean, when it was first uh, issued, released, whatever it was done, uh, was that a steady rise up to that or was it up and down before it got to 70000 Oh, before it got it was uh, well. It was if you go back to say uh, 2020, right? So right. 2020, I got to kind of look at the chart here. 2020, you know, beginning of 2021, it was trading at roughly, you know, you could call it uh, four thousand a coin, maybe five thousand. And then, you know, it, it uh, you know, 2021, it shot up to, you know, almost 60,000. Then it went back down to about 50,000, then back up to 68 um, in 2021. You know, so up until okay. 2019, if you go, if you go before that, if you go to like 2015, you know, it was like $457 a coin back then. Mm-hmm. 400 bucks a coin and it got up to 60,000. <laughs> That's a good profit. I'm sure that people. Yeah. You you could you could make your entire fortune if you were smart enough to do that, or or had the foresight, or 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 prescience, or whatever fortune kind of stuff. You bought a coin at four hundred bucks that went to sixty thousand. 
you know, if you had yeah. like 50, co- 50 coins, <laughs> 400 bucks, it's not that big an investment. You know, you, you'd be retiring right now, <laughs> you know, or yeah. uh, it, it, it's just a, that, that that's a staggering amount of money to be made that quickly. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Did you know I, about it back I, then? You know, and I've seen people. I've seen people that had an excess of a quarter million in Bitcoin. Um, you know, the, 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 back then when they had it, their problem was, um, was getting rid of it. You know, there wasn't enough buyers to sell that much because the, oh. the hype had already caught on. So, right. you know, I mean, uh, one of the guys was in Coinbase and Coinbase would say, um, <clears throat> he showed me, he sat right in front of me and did it. He's like, here, I'm going to try to sell $20,000 in Bitcoin. He would sell 20000 and they'd be like, your, your sell is too high. You need to bring it down. You know, and then he'd, he'd have to whittle it down, and they would only let him sell it in, I think it was like four or $6,000 chunks per day. Huh. You know, wow. So um, I, I think they were just throttle-limited people because the, the price had spiked. You know, and his problem was he couldn't, we, he couldn't offload it quick enough. Um, you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't trying to offload all of it, you know, cause he's a big crypto guy, you know, but he was right. definitely trying to kind of cash in on some of the opportunities. Um, I'm yeah. not, yeah, I'm not sure all exchanges were that way. Um, huh. I was just, he showed me in, 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 and I don't know if that was something that they did for a time. I don't know enough about it. So, you know, don't let me throw them completely under the bus, but during no, that just point curious. in time. Yeah. Yeah. This so was 2021. There... Um, I know that for certainty. Um, you know, he was like, well, I'm trying to get this money out so I can get me a pool is what he was trying to do. Uh, oh, makes sense. You know, but it was, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, he's, he's, uh, I haven't seen him in quite a while, so I don't know if he ever completed it or not or what he's still sitting on, you know, but, right. um, you know, I mean, I've seen some people with some pretty significant holdings in crypto. Um, and some of them use it for stuff, actually. I mean, they actually, you know, get on certain marketplaces and, and buy things with it. You know, I mean, um, you know, I mean, I do know somebody that buys their steroids from overseas with Bitcoin. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, we'll keep the names out of this show. <laughs> that's, that's a, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, that, that's pretty Not wild. necessarily legal. Uh, well, I wasn't even going to say that. <laughs> That's okay. But now that we know, yeah. uh, but here's the question: yeah. though. Uh, the digital, the these are like private digital currencies, Bitcoin, uh, and the government mm-hmm. wants to do a central bank digital currency. Are these going to be in conflict at some point, or are they mutually exclusive? Do they impact each other, or, or what's what's the story? No. So, so the difference is, is like Bitcoin is decentralized, right? There's no government control over it. The the reason it gains value is because people have huge sentiment on its uses and huge sentiment on its future value because supposedly there's only I think it's 21 million coins if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay. Don't quote me on that. I know there's a limited number, whatever it is. Um, Mark will know. He'll he'll tell us in like 30 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, it's it's you know the the allure to it is is that nobody can control it, and it's a it's con- it's basically controlled by by the people. You know, I mean, it's it's backed by um, you know like by by people's faith in using the product. You know, so um, you know if the if the government comes up with one, it's still centralized. They can control how much is out there. They can control where it goes. They can track where it's at. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the government's problem with Bitcoin is. You know, people can, you know, they can transact business on it and not pay taxes, right? They can avoid our whole tax system with, with Bitcoin. But that, again, is the purpose in it. You know, I mean, the purpose right. is, is to create a currency that is not tracked by the government. Um, you know, that actually makes a lot of and, sense. Uh, yeah. Well, we, yeah. Need a, we need, we need an every man's Bitcoin. We need a Bitcoin 
uh, in in dollar, five dollar, ten dollar, you know, increments. We need a, a like Bitcoin fractions or something. So the, so yeah. that, uh, those of us who want to get into it, but I just still, still use cash. I, I think it would uh, be very interesting, you know, when they talk about the outlawing cash. In many respects, with the Federal Reserve, they already have. Because it's not a U.S. Mm-hmm. dollar anymore; it hasn't been since 1913. So, in the, in the five minutes yeah. we have you left, um, the Fed seems to have a fascination with stealing our money at whatever percentage they can get away with. It used to be three percent. I remember they talked for years. Well, three percent inflation is ideal. They used to say four percent unemployment is zero on un- unemployment. I'm like, no, zero percent unemployment is zero percent unemployment, not four percent. But they they have these weird right. numbers, or they say the three percent is normal. It's not normal at all. I mean, you know, what's Marco says? Bitcoin has eight numbers or so behind the comma. The smallest part is one. Toshi. <laughs> oh yeah, Satoshi. Yeah. I need to. It's a small Bitcoin. <laughs> I take my katana and make smaller. I make Satoshi. Goes with sushi yeah. and sashimi. Sorry, I apologize <laughs> to my listeners in Japan, <laughs> which we do have, by the way. Um, yeah. What's um. So is that possible that there'd be a, a Bitcoin bits, like Bitcoin bits, you know, for those of us that can't spend $30,000 for a coin, but still might want to use it? Well, I mean, you can buy, you can buy fractional shares of them. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're not, you're not forced to buy one whole coin. I mean, you can buy one, one thousandth oh. of a coin, you know I mean? So, okay. so the coin, the coins can fractionalize, um, oh. you know, and I mean, and then if, if you're concerned about that, they have other cryptos, you know what I mean? You have Ethereum, you have Litecoin, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's Bitcoin cash. There's, I, I mean, there's probably a hundred different cryptos, you know I mean? There's no way I can name them all, you know what I mean? So they all do different things. Um, yeah. you know, really, one of the big purposes, you know, I mean, talk, uh, talking about crypto, um, you have one called Ripple, right? So Ripple, uh-huh. you know, gained gained in popularity very, very quickly. Um, but Ripple was was mainly designed for financial institutions to make large transactions. So there was no currency exchange, right? They were trying to find some type of some type of uh, uh, cryptocurrency to say, okay, if I want, if J- I J.P. Morgan want to transfer. Um, you know, a billion dollars over to Europe, for example. Right. You know, because we're doing a transaction with them. I put it all in Ripple, pass it to them, and then we don't have to worry about a currency exchange. Does that make sense? You know, because yep. you're doing a one-for-one swap, right? Then they can right. they can take the Ripple and they can turn it into whatever it is they want to do. Well, when the crypto people got, got wind of this stuff, you know, they know that there's a store of value there, right? You know, so... You know, it's, it's, they started trading Ripple, and, and, you know, there became this big debacle on what it's supposed to be traded for. So, you know, I, I'm not sure where it's at now. I haven't really kept up with it, to be quite honest. Um, you know, I do know that it's used, um, and I use J.P. Morgan. I do know J.P. Morgan uses it, and I know BlackRock uses it. Yeah. So um, the other companies, I'm not sure, you know, what specifically they do. But, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a multitude of cryptos, and they can be used for a multitude of things. Well, this makes sense because, you know, and people say, well, it's not backed by anything, but neither is our dollar. Our dollar hasn't been backed by anything since uh, well, since the gold standard, so it's, it's kind of a so, free-flowing so, currency, so here's, right? Here's, here's where I partially disagree, and this is why okay. everybody gets credit ratings. So U.S. credit ratings got downgraded, and, and people – People are quick to argue. They're just like, well, it's just backed by a piece of paper. You know what I mean? Well, it's it's backed by the government that is that is making an agreement. You know what I mean? Like crypto, crypto is not backed by anything. It's backed by trust me, bro. 
right? It's, <laughs> it's backed by, hey, I believe this is going to be big, right? Okay. It's, it, you know, so, so, you know, when you're given in a comparison, while we are a fiat currency, yes, this is very true. And, and, and there are some statistical facts. Every fiat currency except like one or two have failed, mm-hmm. right? right? But all of those fiat currencies also had bad, corrupt governments. You know what I mean? They weren't doing so we got that. things correctly. Yeah, we got right. that. So what we do now, you know what I mean? There's only there's only um, like 15 countries, you know, uh, that, that have double uh, A rated bonds or better out of 190 right. some odd countries. Right. Right. There is only 15 that sell good bonds. So if you go look at what currencies are part of the world reserve currencies and which ones are the most trusted, you're going to see those same 15. You know, so so what I'm yeah, saying is like you have you you have the most stable currency, you know, in the world as of right now. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that eventually U.S. wouldn't be dethroned. That's not what I'm saying. Somebody probably right. could do it. I don't think it happened in your lifetime or possibly even mine, maybe towards the back. Right. Um, you know, so what I am saying is that, uh, you know, with, with that, they basically do they put themselves in problems and put themselves in debt? Yeah. Well, that's why we just went from a triple A to a double A. Right. But we've done it before. We did it back in 2011. And four years later, we're right back up to a triple A. China has been a triple A before. China is a double or a, a single A now. Right. China was a triple A two years ago. Now China's gone oh, that's to a single A. Yeah. So, so countries move like that all the time. Right. Um, you know, so, so, you know, I mean, golly, somebody uh, was on the list was a triple A, they're a double A now. And I have to look at my list. It's on my computer. Um, it works, yeah. you know, and I have all the bond yields and stuff written down, you know, so I do that. So when people say, oh, well, it's only backed by a piece of paper. Well, you have one of the most faithful pieces of paper in the world, right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, uh, this, is, this, a country. Yeah, this is a, this is a good correction. So I appreciate it. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, so you know, it, I mean, yeah, yeah, I understand it's a piece of paper, but you know, if people wanted to be backed by gold, silver, you know, whatever, there is not enough silver in the world to back everybody's currency. Even yeah, if, and you I don't, the top percent, if you I've took abandoned the top that idea. and right. said, I want to back it by gold, right? Now you mm-hmm. can do uh, so. So the U.S. was doing something when it was backed by gold called fractional backing, right? Which it was saying, okay, like a quarter of a dollar is backed by gold or something like that. Mm-hmm. Even if you did that, right? Even if you said I want to do fractional, there's only enough gold in the world to take like the four most powerful currencies and back them fractionally by gold. Right. No, yeah, and I don't so, think that's so, essential anymore. I, I used to think that was yeah. a good idea, but what I'm thinking now, it's not. A, it's not a currency backed by you know, a precious metal, it's a currency that's stable. And the most stable currency is the one Absolutely. where the government borrowing is the least. And so this is why, uh, yeah. well, yeah, and we, we talk about my constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. I don't think that there's anything, single thing that we could do as a country and the government could do that would increase the value of our money and make it more stable and make our credit rating, you know, quadruple A, even if there isn't such a thing, than to stop borrowing money and just pay off our national debt. What stronger mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, evidence yeah. could there have for the U.S. dollar than that? There, there would be no stronger yeah. currency. Well, I had I had somebody, you know, basically talking to me about uh, this thing called a brick movement. Do you know what the brick movement is? Yep, I do. Yeah. So, so you know, I mean, his his concern is just like he's like, well, what if all of this stuff happens? I said, okay. I said, you know, let's <laughs> let's 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 play this for a second. You know, so the brick <laughs> movement for those that are listening is Brazil, Russia, India. Iran, China, and South Africa, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's growing. Uh, it's called yeah. NATO. It's growing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all of those countries have come together and said, hey, let's create our own currency that can tank the U.S. dollar. 
right? It's not necessarily <laughs> their, their goal is not to tank the U.S. dollar. Their goal is to start trading in other currencies so people can see that there's other countries' currencies that can be used, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Take take all of those countries I just listed and go look at what their bond yields are. <laughs> so and go and go look at go look at what their bond ratings are. So out of the yeah. whole list that I gave you, best rated one there is China at A, right? And China is also <laughs> massively known, massively known. Uh, hey, hey, Brazil is like triple B, right? India oh. is like like B, right? You know, so yeah. um, you know they're they're not very great good rating, which means they default. Actually, the reason China went from a triple A to a to an A. Uh, is because about fifty percent of their bonds they have with us are in default. So I've heard you know, about that. Yeah, they owe us money. Yeah, and they're not paying it. Yeah, so so they, <laughs> so a lot of people they're well, they're, you know, they're, they're concerned with how much money we owe. We owe China eight hundred and fifty billion. They owe us right. in excess of a trillion, right? Yeah. So you know it's it's we we all borrow money from each other. So you got this brick movement, and they're talking about making this currency, but literally you have you know ten or, or six six or ten of the most lousy currencies in the world. And you're putting them together and saying, okay, we're going to create a superpower. Well, good luck. It's not going to happen for a little while, right? Brazil's bonds are paying something like 13 to 15% because nobody will buy them, right? Mm. You know, so right. the, the real is not, not a very powerful currency. Now, what, what China's motive is, is there's a lot of gold that's mined out of Brazil, right? A lot. So, you know, their goal is to say, okay, we're going to get gold. We're going to try to have some type of backing, you know, and we're going to create this, right? You know, and Saudi's continuing to threaten. Somebody told me that Saudi was already doing business with China in their yuan. Um, and if they are, they're probably going to regret that soon because China's economy is already on the, on the fritz. Yeah, what's going on with it? Do you, you have know, time so, to talk about that? Because it's after eight. I don't want to keep you if you have to go. But that would be a yeah, whole fascinating a, a, thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into crazy detail, but um, you know, okay. I mean, China, um, their economy. The basic thing is, is, is they're they're not in recession. They're in, um, um, you know, they're they're uh, getting into a glut, basically. You know what I mean? They have oh. produced so much, and the prices are so high, nobody's buying. Right. You know, yeah. so they're they're at a point where they're going to have to start making steep decreases and take hits for it. Well, what happens is it's going to force them into a nasty recession, right? Um, and, and when that does happen, you know, China is notorious for devaluing their currency, notorious yep. for it, right? How far you can know, it go, so, though? Um, There's a limit how much you can do that, right? Yeah, uh, uh, the, the, I don't know what the limit is, but, you know, I mean, back in 2018 when Trump was like, you know, hey, I'm just going to tariff everything that comes into this country, you know, from China, which, you know, I mean, I, I don't think he needed to be the big kid with a baseball bat, but he's right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's trying to basically uh, tariffs everything that we send over there, which means that we can't send goods over there. So what he was doing was trying to level the playing field. What did China mm-hmm. do in retaliation to that? Devalued the currency. Right. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. They, oh, they've they done that from, before. But they've been doing that for a long time. Of, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, and Saudi, you know, was threatening to do business with China to kind of put pressure on the petrodollar. Right. You know, and China or, or U.S.'s agreement with Saudi is, hey. You know, we'll 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 do all your oil business and and help you process all your oil business, but every transaction has to be done in U.S. dollars, right? And that's been an agreement with them for wow, wow, like twenty, thirty years, right? Um, huh. So so Saudi comes out and threatens and says, hey, we're going to start doing business with China. Well, China, you know, they're more thirsty than we are, right? And China <laughs> yeah. can't produce any of its own oil. They have to import. Well, they do a little bit, but. They have to import something like 90% of their oil or 95%, and there's no way they can increase production, right? It can't happen. They don't have it there, right? So, um, 
you know, they're they're working business with Saudi. So, you know, the guy that I have that's, that's talking about this stuff, I kind of tell him, I say, okay, you're worried about this brick movement in countries that are literally dependent upon dependent upon everybody in the world for some type of import, right? China imports <laughs> something like 35% of their food, and like of that 35%, like 90% of it comes from us. <laughs> so it's it's uh it, it it's kind of kind of weird. So I said you're worried about that. Then you're worried about Russia, which literally everybody has closed their door on, and the ruble is almost worthless right now, right? Uh, Putin basically said, you know, I will not do I will not do business with any other currency, any other place, any other thing, right? Um, we're going to do it all in rubles. Well, a lot of the people that were surviving their economies, you know, which their economy sometimes is not that great, were using other currencies, you know. So what he did was kick them in the teeth. Then you have their biggest um, e-commerce site, Yandex. Um, has lost something like 40% of their business. You know what I mean? Like, like because everybody wow. shut off on them, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Uh, Jack Ma was saying something like Alibaba has increased like 30% from what happened with Yandex. You know, What's so, Alibaba uh, again that's, and, and Yandex? Uh, oh, Alibaba Yandex is the Russian Chinese one. equivalent to, to Amazon is the, the best okay. way to describe it. Yeah. yeah they always pick so, weird names, TikTok, Alibaba. They, they, they get their names down really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, ten. What? Ten cent. It's ten cent. Ten cent. Well, okay, that's close. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ten cent is is uh, is kind of like their uh, Spotify. I think is like the best way to describe that one. <laughs> Spotify with games. Um, well, if China's weak, know, so, then Trump comes back in. It's going to be really interesting because he'll be in a position to uh, say, uh, "Now you ain't going to Taiwan. You're not going to do this. You know, we're going to flip the tariffs around and uh, go back to where the way it was back in 2018, which would be good." Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, okay. you know, it's it's uh, it, it's going to be an uphill battle no matter where it is. I mean, the economy is not as, as weak as everybody thinks it is. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think the economy is pretty strong. But, you know, if inflation continues to remain stick, excuse me, sticky and the market took a little beating yesterday because a couple of the uh, satellite uh, uh, Fed chairs, you know, not Jerome, they have the ones that are at the, at the cities. Mm-hmm. A couple of them came out and were like. Well, inflation is is kind of a little bit more sticky than we thought, so rate hikes might not or rate decreases might not be in the cards for some time. Might be a, you know a year. And they're everybody's betting on you know possibly first quarter. Um, we were betting on fourth quarter, but now they've moved that to first quarter of pop potential rate rate decreases. But you know um, based on some of their comments, they think that that might be a little bit later than usual. Well, it's an election here, so that's going to play into it, too, depending on who they want to win. If they want uh, you know, Trump to win, then they'll raise the interest rates and make the economy suck. And if they want Brandon to win, they'll do what they did with Obama and send him back to zero. So it's, I think there's a lot of politics that goes into interest rates. But if you have another yeah. just fraction of a minute, why does the Fed give a target like 2% when we all know that they're taking 2% of our money each year? They're just, they're just like confessing to their crime. Well, they give a they give a target because that's the feel good statement for everybody, right? You okay. know, I mean, um, if we're in inflation, you know, that uh, inflation is average something like two two point eight percent over time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, so uh, it was their, it was something like one point four one point four percent when Trump left office. You know, right. so I think what they're trying to do is get it in between that. You know, what I mean, they're just trying to say, okay, two percent is the target. If they get, I promise you, if they break if they break the three threshold. You're going to see right. them start lowering rates. I, I mean, I just I'd almost bet money on it. You know, because three okay. percent is three percent is is acceptable. Three and a half percent is acceptable. And what are we at? Like three point eight right now. So we're pretty close. You know. So does, are, 
are we seeing – okay, the problem with everybody is are we seeing the effects from it yet? No, not at all. And, you, and, and the, one of the big concerns actually that I would have is we're going into the holiday season and what happens in the holiday season. Who buys this? Right? Purchases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep, it all goes up, right? So consumer spending yeah. is going to spike, right? When consumer spending spikes, that means people are like, you know, we don't care about the high prices, uh, which means the Fed might be on the hook to say, let me go ahead and raise rates one more time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, or the interest rates, too, spike. credit cards. People borrow like crazy on credit yeah, cards. I mean, credit cards, the, I mean, they're at all time yeah. high. I mean, you got an average of something right. like 20%, you know, um, and you got people. I think they said defaults on credit cards have started happening. You know what I mean? But, you know, that's – I think that is, you know, the, the, the way that they manipulate Americans, you know what I mean, to say, hey, let's just put it on credit. You can make payments to us. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I preach to people all about that all the time. I'm like, listen, credit cards can be your friends or they can be your enemies, right? Yep. You know, yep. you're, you're supposed to use a credit card responsibly, get the benefits off of it, and, you know, pay your debts, right? You know, when you run, rack up a bill on a credit card with $10,000 and all you're doing is making payments, what, 20%? That's $2,000 a year you're giving them. You know yep. what I mean? Wouldn't you rather invest $2,000? Wouldn't you rather save $2,000? Wouldn't you rather spend $2,000 on a vacation? No, you'd rather give it to a credit card company so you can have what you want right now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and, and, and I try to rationalize that to people sometimes, and I'm just like, you know, uh, look, I've, I've sat down with people. I had a lady at one point. It was like $100,000 in credit card debt. I said, you need to go see an attorney. You know what I mean? Like you need to you need to claim bankruptcy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there yeah. there is no escape in this. And and she you know like she took all these extravagant vacations, helped her daughters through college. You know what I mean? And I, and I understand that you're trying to help your family, but she was literally willing to wreck her life, you know, over over some of this stuff. And like I mean, this lady's oh man, how old was she? Like mid fifties? I mean, she's 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 going to be paying that debt forever. You know, so it's uh it's it's just ridiculous that people do wow. that. Because bankruptcy doesn't work for credit cards, does, does it? Or so, what do you say? Say that again. I'm sorry. I said it's it's ridiculous that people do it, and it it's ridiculous that people are allowed to do that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, your credit's good and your income's good, so they'll just keep stacking your credit cards, right? There needs yeah, to be yeah. some kind of federal limit. You know what I mean? There needs to be huh. say, okay, you know, I mean, you've been handed, you know, unless you've got reason you know, or some type of business to do that type of traffic, right? You know what I mean? Like, where's the cap on that, right? Where's, where's the protection for people that are idiots, you know? So, Would you do it um, as a percent of income? You can only borrow so much on a credit card, like 10% of your income or 20% or something like that? And how would you do it? I would, you know, personally, if it was me, I would do it in what was their capability to pay it back in a reasonable time? You know, what was their capability if, if, if they could make payments you know, or they got past a certain amount, their payment like quadruples. Does that make sense? You know what yep. I mean? And if they're not capable to do that, then their credit limit shuts off. Does okay. that, you know, so basically it incentivizes them to pay it off rather than sitting on these monstrous debts. No, it makes sense. And, you know, like I say, the times yeah. I've been debt-free has been wonderful. And I'll be back there again. <laughs> you know, it's because it's, it's a really yeah. nice place to be. Um, it works out well. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, let me, let me appreciate get out of the here. extra time. It's, uh, yeah, been good yeah no worries um you guys uh take care again this is derek with the uh action radio financial report and uh, you can get me at 850-995-0082 all right thanks derek we'll talk to you next week yep bye-bye
By now. All right, so it's 814, so we've got a little bit uh, more time with Derek, which is always good, and we missed him last week. I forgot what I did last Friday. I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to look it up. It's kind of crazy, but uh, that's how that goes. All right, let's take a little information break here. Be back. Uh, I've got some Vivek uh, Obama swampy stuff to go over, and then we've got uh, Bianca von Krieg at the top, and we'll talk progressive socialism. And uh, I think we're the only you know, conservative show with our own socialist reporter, which is kind of cool. It makes it more interesting here. All right, I'll be back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. 
Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. All right, let's get back to the news. I'm hearing mixed reviews uh, from the last debate uh, regarding one Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who we are happily calling, at least I'm happily calling, uh, Obama Swampy, because he looks just like an Obama clone. He's saying everything that Trump said three years ago. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. has noticed it. A lot of people have noticed it. And a lot of us think he's a total fraud. Um, when it comes to things he said, uh, he sued the World Economic Forum for using his name for, for listing him with uh, you know, the Young Leaders Program, or as we call it, Communist Camp. But he never explained how they found him in the first place. <laughs> how, did they come, how, how did he come to their attention? You know, it's not every 30-year-old that appears on uh, the World Economic Forum's you know, list of, of young leaders. So he must have done something somehow, some way. Uh, and, of course, that's never answered, right? Uh, I've got some writings from him from, from Harvard. And he's a total idiot. <laughs> he's got a piece on just trying to justify the minimum wage, and it's total hash. I mean, it is, it is so badly written. Well, I'll get to it. It's so badly written, it's funny. Um, and just a lot of things, you know, I'm getting conflicts with uh, drug companies and vax technology, and there's a bunch of things happening. And anyway, he's just, apparently he did rather badly in the last debate, which is good. He's not going to be vice president. <laughs> okay, he's not. You know, but a bunch of uh, Republicans are all swooning. It was like, oh, he's young. He's talented. He's brilliant. He's going to be Trump's vice president. No, he's not. He, he doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of being Trump's vice president. We figured it out a month ago. It's going to be Kerry Lake. Okay. Trust me, it's going to be Carrie Lake. Okay. Carrie Lake is going to be Donald Trump's vice president. She's campaigning for him. She's going all over the place. She speaks well. She's brilliant. She might also double as a press secretary, which would be very interesting. But it is not going to be Vivek Obama Swampy. It's just not going to happen. Trump campaigns already, already knows. They already figured out that he's a, a total uh, uh, fraud. So 
I started looking into him a little bit, and I thought for somebody that has um, invented or someone that's got six hundred thirty million dollars, I thought, what's he invented? What has he created? What what has he trademarked? What has he patented? What has he actually done? And so I go to the Justia website, patents.justia.com. That's J-U-S-T-I-A. And the only thing I found where Vivek Ramaswamy is listed on anything, and it's just an application. It, isn't, it wasn't even a, a, an awarded patent. It's just a, an application for a traffic visualization system. Publication number 201-702-05247. Let me hear it again. So just in case you doubt me, I made this up. Justia, it's patents.justia.com. Uh, traffic visualization system, publication number 201 702 05247. So it says it's a systems and methods provide traffic information, including traffic flow in regions that lack the infrastructure necessary for providing well-established traffic control and or monitoring systems. Well, don't our phones do that? <laughs> it seems like this is a completely unnecessary technology. Um, so we don't need a traffic visualization system. Any t- your GPS does that. They tell you the red zones, the yellow zones, the green zones. They already tell you where the traffic is. So uh, anyway, so he's on there with... Uh, Barat Kalali Narayana, Barat Balaso Kot, Giridhara Kalkir, and Vivek Ramaswamy. And so it's an application. It was applied for in January 19th of 2016. Publication date, July 20th, 2017. It's never been awarded. <laughs> so here's a guy that runs a biotech company that is tagged on a uh, traffic visualization system, which has nothing to do with biotech. Right. So he, he's got a patent. He's applying for a patent to something he knows nothing about. Uh, I, he's, he has no paid, you know, patents or trademarks for things he does know something about, you know, biotech. He's got a law degree that he's never used. <laughs> you know, I, I call that's probably where his communist boot camp really took place. So there's a lot of things wrong with this guy. So there's the first one. So what? So, you know, he did simple patent and trademark search. And he hasn't done anything. Let's see what else we got here for for uh, Swampy. So here's here's an article I found on Newsmax. Ramaswamy took Soros money, then tried to hide the truth. Remember, like I said, he's tried to deny any connection with the World Economic Forum and uh, Soros. And here we have another Soros connection. Uh-oh. So he's not going to be around, you know, the campaign much longer because he's going to be found out. He's going to be a fraud. He'll just quietly withdraw and spend more time with his millions of dollars, right? So he took money from uh, – so, uh, what we got here? This is by uh, – who wrote this? Um, uh, doesn't say. Come on, guys, give me an author. I always like to credit my people. This is in, it's in the home and politics. Dun, dun, dun. I guess it's just a Newsweek general by the Newsweek staff. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, Newsmax Wires. No, I guess. Well, I'll probably find out at the bottom of the article. This is Vivek Vivek. Or is it Vivek Ramaswamy? Didn't tell the truth about the real reason he took money from the family of George Soros. <laughs> what a surprise! After criticism for receiving a $90,000 grant, $90,000, from the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowship to attend Yale Law School, Ramaswamy claimed that he did so only because he, quote, didn't have the money to pay for it. That's not true. I know that's not true. The guy's got 600 He's got – and he probably – before law school, he had millions of dollars. Okay, so now it gets more interesting. So why is it more interesting, Greg? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it, the fact that he went to Yale Law School, has never practiced law as far as I know, went there – on a Soros fellowship? Okay, this is really suspicious because he, it, what, did he study law or did he study, uh, you know, how to be president? <laughs> you know, did, was he groomed for his higher office? Was he trained to uh, speak like Obama? In other words, well, you know, and, and not do anything. Is he, was he trained to lie and hide his lies? I mean, why would you need a Soros fellowship to go to law school when 
you've got the money to go to law school. You know, it's just little things like this keep popping up on it. You know, the, the, the glories and the details. So it says, after criticism for receiving on 90,000, oh, I read that. Then it says, but in 2011, the same year he started Yale, Ramaswamy reported he made $2.2 million in income, according to his tax returns, tax returns reviewed by Fox News. Well, I don't know how much it costs to go to uh, Yale for a year, but I guarantee you it's less than $2.2 million. It's a lot less, <laughs> you know, might be a couple hundred thousand. But that's like a tenth of what he earned. Anyway, since his returns also show for the three years before 2011, he made over $1.1 million on income working as a hedge fund analyst. Oh, wait a minute. He's got $2.2 million in 2011. He's got $1.1 million, you know, uh, the, in the three years before that. And yet he's worth $630 million. Well, where's the other $627 million come from? <laughs> Another, another one of those little tacky little questions, right? Okay. This is Ramasamy's connection with Paul Soros, the brother of controversial George Soros. Controversial? No, evil. George Soros has raised eyebrows in Republican circles, obviously. In a recent interview with Real America's Voice, Ramaswamy explained he took the money out of need. Well, that's a lie, right? He says there was a separate scholarship that I won at the age of 24-25 when I was going to law school in my mid-20s. Uh, in my oh, my early 20s, he keeps changing his mind. He says, uh, when I didn't have the money and it went, to, it was a merit scholarship that hundreds of kids win. Uh, that was uh, partially funded, not by George Soros, but by Paul Soros, a relative, his brother. Well, if it's funded by Paul Soros, it's probably not that much different than funding by George Soros. Uh, I mean, who knows that Paul Soros, Paul Soros might be a money laundering operation. Maybe George makes all the money, gives it to Paul to spend. Uh, you don't know. You don't know, but it's really suspicious. <laughs> Very suspicious. Says Ramaswamy also claimed in the interview that he when that when he received his fellowship a decade earlier, George Soros had not quote gone off the rails pushing left wing politics. Then Newsmax says, but that's not true either. <laughs> surprise, surprise. George Soros has been a prolific funder of left wing causes since the 1990s and was the leading billionaire donor opposing George W. Bush from the early 2000s, which is kind of funny because they're both globalists. Both Soros and and Bush are globalists, so. Uh, why was he opposing his campaign? This is Ramaswamy's campaign spokesperson, Trish McLaughlin, gave Fox a similar explanation. The Vivek won a generic scholarship that hundreds of students win to attend graduate school. Uh, it was funded by a relative of George Soros who was long dead. Okay, that doesn't matter. <laughs> we're, we're not talking about what he's doing now. We're talking about what he did then. Then it says Vivek would have been a fool to turn down that scholarship. Anyone who would, uh, who would have shouldn't uh, get anywhere near the White House. Doing trade deals. Okay. But not necessarily, because if you take a scholarship you don't need, you've taken that scholarship from somebody else who does need it. So maybe that would be a good quality for a president. These people are thinking selfishly. Anyway, so still, Ramaswamy appears to be nervous about association with the Soros family. He should be. <laughs> Soros family is associated with all kinds of evil stuff, all our district attorneys. You know, the ones that are letting people go in the streets, uh, you know, after committing crimes, just let them walk around the streets. Those are George Soros people. He funded those uh, those campaigns. Right? Then it says, still, Ramaswamy appears to be nervous about, okay, here we go. The 38-year-old businessman has long tooted, touted, I guess it's touted, his Soros connection on his Wikipedia page before he ran for president. Yeah, we already covered that. We covered it. We did a show on, on Obama Swampy before and covered some of this stuff, so I'm only presenting the new stuff now. The 38-year-old businessman had long, oh, I already said that, but, his er, but earlier this year, attempts were made, <coughs> excuse me, to remove the Soros scholarship reference. Yeah, it's too late. We all know it. <laughs> it's too late to remove it, right? 
Then he, he says, in May, Mediate reported that uh, Mediaite, there we go, reported that Ramaswamy himself has made an intentional effort to conceal his own biography. Well, he's like Obama there, right? Even paying a Wikipedia editor to remove potentially politically damaging details about his past from his page. Yep, yep, yep. He's Obama through and through, just like Columbia University. It says, according to Mediaite, the changes to Ramaswamy's Wikipedia page were made just weeks before he announced his candidacy for the Republican nomination for president. It's almost like someone tapped him on the shoulder and said, you know, we need you to run for president now. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, ah, that's pretty funny. All right. I think that's it for that. What else we got here? I got some different articles. So here's, here's the last of my, uh, of the new ones. All right. The old ones I read you, you know, about, uh, his different things. He's trying to change his information. This one's interesting. Pharmaceutical firm tied to 2024 candidate Ramaswamy tangled in lawsuits on COVID vax technology. I didn't even have a chance to read this one. So this one kind of cold. This is from just the news. That's, um, Oh, what's his name? Anyway, uh, it's a Genevent sciences, which has sued Pfizer and Moderna is mostly owned by Royvent sciences founded by Rivek Ramaswamy. Okay. So this is by Natalia, Mittelstadt, you know, uh, Solomon, John Solomon. He's the one that runs just the news. This is a pharmaceutical company tied to the 2024 candidate Vivek Obama Swampy. Is it my words? <laughs> is involved in lawsuits over COVID-19 mRNA vaccine technology. That's messenger RNA. By the way, Moderna stands for modern uh, modified RNA, MOD. You know, Moderna, modified RNA or something like that. Genevieve says, uh, Science is a portfolio company of Royvant Sciences, I guess it's like a hedge fund, uh, a portfo- what's a portfolio company? Let's look that up. Uh, is suing Moderna and Pfizer patented COVID vaccine technology while also being sued by another biotech company linked with Pfizer's vaccine. Hey, this is just one big happy family, aren't they? Ramaswamy founded Royvant Sciences and was CEO of the biotech research company from 2014 until 2021. How did he found it? Does anybody know? Where did he get his initial grant? Where did he get his money to found a, a biotech company? Those things aren't cheap. Anyway, it says he continued at his board uh, as its board chairman until February of this year before he stepped down. He was not involved in the lawsuit. Genevent Sciences, along with partner Arbitus Biopharma Corporation, sued Moderna in February of 2022 over alleged patent infringement, followed by a lawsuit against Pfizer and BioNTech in April of this year. BioNTech, that's the Pfizer. Those are the folks that need to actually make the vaccine for Pfizer. Oh, a little rearranging here. Here we go. Uh, mRNA is similar to RNA, short for ribonucleic acid, which is present in all living cells. Okay, fine. Now let's, get to, let's get back to the click. <laughs> the lawsuit against Moderna alleges that the pharmaceutical and biotech company infringed on the Arbutus patent for a lipid nanoparticle. Yeah, I think that's the spike proteins. That's the stuff that uh, kills and injures you, right? Uh, delivery platform for the vaccine, which was necessary, quote, to safeguard the mRNA and deliver it into cells. Yeah, that's what makes it last so long. <laughs> this is not, lipid nanoparticles, are, I think, are the problem. And so uh, I don't know if they're directly related to the spike proteins. It's a biochemist, but that's the problem. Then it says the plaintiffs allege that the infringement occurred when Moderna didn't request a license to use the lipid nanoparticle patents for COVID. Genevent licenses Arbutus LNP technology. Okay, so Arbutus and Genevent do not seek an injunction or otherwise to impede the sale, manufacture, or distribution of the COVID shot, according to a press release. Instead, the company seeks only fair compensation for the use of patented technology they developed with great effort and at great expense, without which Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine would not have been successful. 
Well, successful is a relative term, isn't it, when it comes to uh, kind of these kind of things? It says, in March this year, a federal court judge declined to partially dismiss the case against Moderna, allowing it to continue. Hmm. Moderna didn't immediately respond to a request for a comment on Wednesday. In the April lawsuit against Pfizer and BioNTech for patent infringement, Arbitus and Genevet uh, alleged that the companies never paid plaintiffs to use the LMP technologies for the COVID vaccine. Pfizer and BioNTech didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's a, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a big problem. Uh, that's what's on there. Oh, let me see. I need to let me do a little bit of stuff there. Yeah, we're going to take our breaks before we get to our last hour. Um, just because, like I say, it's the end of the week. Drag a little bit, but uh, I'll, I'll see if I can. You know, I got some other articles here. Uh, I read that one, covered that one. Don't know if I want to do that one. Yeah, let's see what else we got here. Yeah, I might find something else I can uh, I can talk about. I'm going to play you something for a little bit, too. What haven't we done for a while? I haven't done the January White Cell for a while. Not any new ones. <laughs> I really do. I, I really want to find some new uh, new things to do. Maybe I'll just play you a little um, one of my center volunteers' pieces. Give you a Federalist Papers. Give you something to think about. Oh, the Sedition Act. That's always one of my favorites. So the Sedition Act, uh, this, is, this actually is very appropriate for what's going on now. So the Sedition Act is when you talk or speak against the government uh, or work against the government. They char- it's, it's a bogus charge. They charge you with sedition. So pretty much what's happening now is con- uh, seditious conspiracy. Uh, that's what a lot of the Trump folks are being charged with and, and the Trump associates. Anybody that worked with the Trump administration is now being charged with all these horrendous crimes of election stuff. And they're saying, you know, basically they're charged with saying the election was a fraud when we all know the election was a fraud and the people charging him are the people who made the election a fraud. <laughs> so it's quite interesting. So this might be very apropos. Anyway, uh, it just goes for a little bit. So let's go SRV. Sedition. Play something interesting. Well, it's the end of the week. I, I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of fun here before we get to our last guest. Who's going to be fun also? All right, back in a bit. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio with Founding Moments, insights into our founding documents, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers here in Santa Rosa County, Florida. Santa Rosa Volunteers is available at their website, srv1776.com. That's srv 1776.com. This week, I want to break from the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers to consider one of the many aberrations in the early days of the land of the free. That is the Sedition Act of 1798. Granted, this is always grouped with the companion bills on aliens, but I see them as separate issues. Why would a new government formed from colonies under rules of sedition from a foreign monarch bring about that same tyranny into our government so early in its existence. The Constitution was ratified on September 17, 1787. The Bill of Rights was ratified on December 15, 1791. So it was already in the supreme law of the land that Congress could make no law that abridged the freedom of speech, thus making any subordinate law on sedition unconstitutional automatically. And yet, it happened. All power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Therefore, if you have a government of good laws and yet bad officials who crave the preservation of power, 
more than the alleged guarantees of freedom, freedom takes second place. You can see that in evidence throughout the entire government response to a coronavirus that would have run its course naturally in about 10 weeks, just like the flu every year, and would have been gone by the summer of 2020 when all viruses fade until the winter. And yet, look at the massive amount of power taken from the people in a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Sedition is defined in my online dictionary as conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. So what did the government put into a law that so obviously came from the former ruler of the colonies into the new government of the United States? The Sedition Act is titled, An Act for the Punishment of Certain Crimes Against the United States. In other words, conduct or speech that criticizes the government. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? Section 1 of the Sedition Act reads, Be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America, in Congress assembled, that if any persons shall unlawfully combine or conspire together with intent to oppose any measure or measures of the government of the United States, which are or shall be directed by proper authority, or to impede the operation of any law of the United States, or to intimidate or prevent any person holding a place or office in or under the government of the United States from undertaking, performing, or executing his trust or duty, and if any person or persons with intent as aforesaid shall counsel, advise, or attempt to procure any insurrection, riot, unlawful assembly, or combination, whether such conspiracy, threatening, counsel, advice, or attempt, Shall have, been, shall have the proposed effect or not, he or they shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor. This, of course, violates the entire First Amendment, except with regard to religion. It gets worse. Section 2 <laughs> says in part, And be it further enacted, that if any person shall write, print, utter, or publish, or shall cause or procure to be written, printed, uttered, or published, or shall knowingly and willingly assist or aid in writing, printing, uttering, or publishing any false, scandalous, and malicious writing or writings against the government of the United States or either House of the Congress of the United States or of the President of the United States with intent to defame the said government or either House of the said Congress or the said President or to bring them or either of them into contempt or disrepute or to excite against them or either or any of them the hatred of the good people of the United States. Hmm. In other words, saying anything against the government of the United States or anyone in it is a crime punishable by jail and fines. This effectively creates political prisoners in the United States, much like the innocent people in the D.C. Gulag jail for being in the Capitol building January 6th. If that were not bad enough, Within the Sedition Act is probably the most dangerous provision to individual liberty that I have yet seen in the founding documents, and provides a shocking precursor to the future neutralization of our jury system and the supremacy of the government courts over the people. Section 3. And be it further enacted and declared that if any person shall be prosecuted under this act for the writing or publishing any libel aforesaid, it shall be lawful for the defendant upon the trial of the cause to give an evidence in his defense, 
the truth of the matter contained in publication charged as a libel. And the jury who shall try the cause shall have a right to determine the law and the facts under the direction of the court, as in other cases. The key words here are under the direction of the court. The whole point of a jury is to not only determine the guilt of the defendant, the restitution in a civil case, but most important for the jury is to determine whether the laws implied are fair, just, constitutional, and are not arbitrary and capricious reservoirs of unlimited government power over the people. Jurors can do whatever they want because they are the representatives of the people over the judges who work for the government and therefore work for the people. And yet, as virtually every judge instructs their juries that they can only judge the facts of the case and not the law. That lie is repeated every day in courts all across the country. And now I see where it came from. Section 3 is really saying that the juries, and therefore the people, are under the direction of the court. What the Sedition Act really does is makes criticism of the government a crime and allows government judges to direct the juries that would hear any case under this act, thus destroying the right of free speech and to redress grievances against the government and to due process and the right to a jury trial of one's peers. One could imagine anyone charged under this act would be guilty until proven innocent and then ruined by government if they were proved innocent. Can you think of any parallels to the rights of free speech today? The Sedition Act was approved July 14, 1798, signed by John Adams, President of the United States. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio with Founding Moments, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers. Their website is srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. Please share this report to anyone who needs it. cool. so much news this week i'm trying to think uh what can i possibly do next week i don't have any major guests scheduled you know i, I think we're gonna have some, well let me take a look here see what's going on um nope <laughs> like a possible uh previous uh, reporter coming back but i'll tell you more about that uh should that happen but uh, that's what's going on uh, so it should be interesting oh it looks like pianki joined the conversation good this would be a good time to chat um because then i have my uh, my guest our, our left coast reporter uh bianca von krieg from uh, the progressive socialist wing of the democrat party and so that's always fun to get insights into what's going on um, out there on the left coast and compared to what's going on the rest of America. Anyway, um, I did find an article here, J.D. Rucker, one of my favorites. And so this is kind of like cleanup day here on Friday, trying to get the stuff uh, done that uh, we haven't gotten a chance to, to get to during the week. Um, this is, it's his warning. They're trying to normalize the cancellation of the 2024 election. Let me say that again. They're trying to normalize the cancellation of the 2024 election. He says, what once seemed impossible now seems very plausible. 
And this is written August 23rd by J.D. Rucker, um, again, probably my favorite person on Substack. He says, ever since early 2021, during the opening days of the Biden-Harris regime, rumors and predictions started circulating. A handful of political prognosticators, conspiracy theorists, and even a few mainstream talking heads looking for a ratings boost began declaring the 2024 election might not even happen. Oh, Josie does that every Tuesday. Anyway, she's, uh, he says, those rumors and predictions have only increased in the two and a half years since then. And while some of it is based solely on provocateurs attempting to be provocative, others have reason with both logic and anecdotal evidence that it really could be true that the 2024 election might get canceled between now and November of next year. Now, of course, we all know that's unconstitutional, illegal, uh, no reason for it to happen. But, you know, we're in strange times. No one ever thought we'd have a, uh, an illegal government um, not only steal the White House, but keep stealing the White House every day for an entire presidential term. That would have been unthinkable just a few years ago, and now it's, it's happening. Article says, I thought the same, but I've only mentioned it a few times on my show or in my writings because I've been right, you know, waiting for one thing. The easiest way to know. And this is what he's, really, he's got some really good insights here, too. He says, the easiest way to know what the powers that be have planned is to watch their propagandists in corporate media. When they start planting the seeds, we know the plan is in action. He's got a couple of uh, things you know, where he, you see them. Anyway, he says, here's the playbook. Step one is to come up with a plan to achieve their goals. Step two is to plant seeds through their corporate media puppets so people consciously and subconsciously start sub consciously start thinking in the right direction step three is to initiate the triggering event step four is to give the biggest middle finger possible to the american people and we appear to be in step two and step three slowly creeping forward in the form of of pandemic panic theater yeah so uh they always start doing that they they dropped hints COVID cases are going to rise in the fall okay fine then, then the next rumor was, well, we might have mandates again. We might have mass mandates. You know, we might uh, might have to require, uh, you know, booster booster shots. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, we're all laughing at this, right? But we already got the memes up. You know, I've got the, the mask burning, you know, videos up. And we're, we're already engaged in resistance mode. So uh, we'll see what happens. Anyway, um, he says the goal is to maintain uniparty control of Congress. That would be the Republicans and Democrats, which is, you know, the uniparty, uh, which isn't too hard, he says, and to retain control of the White House. Contrary to popular belief, they don't just want a Democrat in the White House. Uh, they have needed and continue to need someone who is completely under their control, someone compromised and with no moral grounding. That would be Biden. <laughs> you know, this is why Joe Biden was their perfect puppet. He's arguably the most compromised man in the history of American politics, with multiple countries and the entire uh, of the deep state having enough dirt on him that he would probably end his own life if they threatened to expose him and his crime family otherwise. I don't like to talk about ending one's life, you know, just because it's politics and because he is sitting in the White House. So I, I kind of, I, that is not a statement I would identify with. Do I'm out of, out of the White House? Yes. Do I want any harm to come to him? No. I want him where he belongs, on a porch with an ice cream cone, watching the sunset. That's where Joe Biden should be. He should not be in the White House. Besides, he never earned it. Um, and so that's enough reason to, well, here's something I was thinking of too. One of the most important things to do is going to be to reverse everything he did. Uh, and that's, you know, everything he does is illegal because he's not a legal president. Every act he signs, every executive order, every, every amount of money that he spends, you know, authorizes spending, uh, is illegal. Every budget, you know, act he signs, authorization, continuing resolution, it, it's all illegal. Everything he signed has been illegal because he's not the president. 
So how do we correct that? Let's see what uh, Pianchi says. I'm on my way to hit the road. Isn't that what they said about Trump? Um, I don't know when that was written or when I, 646, 846, four minutes ago. I don't know what I said four minutes ago. <laughs> Check the podcast. Then he says, who is they? Um, they, they, they. Probably they, the deep state. They, the unit party. Uh, talking about this article is probably what he's talking about. <sighs> All right, what do we got here? Goals, maintain, you know, okay. Yeah, okay, so uh, did I get the full of that? Oh, I did. Yep, there we go. Next paragraph. So knowing that they want to maintain control for the next you know, legs of their depopulation and control agenda, that's a nice term for it. The plan is to either keep Biden in office or replace him with someone acceptable. I'm not sure if Kamala Harris was just an insurance policy for Biden or if the powers that be found her to be unexpectedly uh, disappointing, but she doesn't appear to be his replacement. Hmm, interesting. We've heard grumblings from Gavin Newsom. We heard rumors about Michelle Obama. But why haven't bigger moves not why have bigger moves not been made? It could be because they have plans to cancel the election. I'd be curious if people think about that. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be too tough to do that. But uh, you never know. Stranger things. I, I thought it was too tough to steal the White House, but apparently it's not. Anyway, this is the biggest piece of the ev- of evidence uh, to my conspiratorial mind is that the 2024 election will be canceled. Oh. You know, the biggest piece. Of, I'll start again here. Hang on. Oh, ah. There we go. Standing up now. I'm trying to do some radio standing up. I think it sounds better. It's easier to do, too. It's hunched over a chair. Yeah, not as much fun. He says, the biggest piece of evidence to my conspiratorial mind is that the 2024 election will be canceled uh, is the fact that they haven't made a move against Biden yet. Well, that's interesting. The easy button for them would be to get rid of Kamala Harris by making her an ambassador or even a Supreme Court justice. God forbid. Uh, then sliding in Newsom, uh, Obama, Susan Rice, or someone else, desirable and controllable, but to by the globalist elite cabal as vice president, then Joe steps down. Um, I don't think Obama's, you know, he's part of the, the cabal. I don't think he's someone that's controllable by the cabal. Newsom, not sure about, yeah, probably, yeah, he could be controllable by him. He's still younger. Susan Rice is definitely an apparatchik, um, and I don't know who else they've got. Michelle Obama? Yeah, she might not want to be controllable either. I think Susan Rice is probably the most controllable by the cabal and will do the, the bidding and will lie for them and say anything for them that uh, they want her to say. Remember, she lied about the, uh, the Benghazi. Oh, this is a result of a video. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and as soon as I, I watched her lie, I mean, she was blinking too many times. All her body language said she was lying. So it was pretty obvious. Anyway, um, the next one is, is that she says uh, that still maybe still maybe the plan. If it is then the timing seems off. I'm not an expert in the machinations of the globalist elite cabal, but one might think that they'd at least be moving Harris against Harris by now. Since the chirping from the corporate media is about canceling elections instead of canceling Kamala, I'm inclined to lean toward a bypass 2024 as the big plan. Yeah, that's one way to not uh, lose the election is to not have it. It's probably the only way not to lose the election at this point is to not have it, uh, unless they can cheat so badly that they can steal it from Trump again. I think it's going to be a lot tougher this time. So we'll see. Anyway, so some would argue that would never do. They would never do that because it would tear the nation apart. It's true. Canceling the election for any reason would tear the nation apart, which to me is even more evidence that they're at least considering it. Nearly every action taken by the Biden-Harris regime since the stolen 2020 election has been squarely geared towards destroying our nation, which is very true. With skipping the 2024, will skipping the 2024 election be their coup de grace? As usual, I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I am. If we've learned anything the last three years is that the powers that be are bold because they know their time is short. 
that desperation could result in our destruction. Pray for this nation. Very possibly. Um, that is all, all very possible. Um, let's see what else. I've got another one here for you. I thought I'd read this one. Now, let's see what else i got for you guys. Got a few minutes before my guest comes in. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so Pianchi says, Obama's chef uh, mother is demanding answers to her son's death. Yeah, that's probably my topic for Monday. Let me, uh, let me write that down. I'm going to start looking into that uh, probably tomorrow. I don't really have, uh, next week might be a little bit slower. This week was incredible, <laughs> especially yesterday. Uh, I'll let you know when I hear from Tucker <laughs> when I'm going to be on the show. That's going to be incredible. So let's go Obama's chef. That's not like a good scandal. So I know Pianchi's out there. I guess he's, he's driving or something like that. Uh, yeah, he's on his way to hit the road. Yeah, be curious. Uh, this is normal when Pianchi calls in, so I'm kind of vamping right now <laughs> until we get my guest in here. Um, but uh, that's that's what's going on. Um, that's, uh, well, I say he usually calls. But the whole idea of the, the chef, and i I, I got to look up mysterious deaths, see if we have any other mysterious deaths that are not being covered. Mysterious deaths. I might have a special rep- surprise reporter back for you, too, that next week. That'll be kind of cool. And we'll see. We'll see what's going on. All right. I don't think I'm, is there any other articles? I'm kind of out of articles. I kind of want to chat rather than read. So uh, in the meantime, let me play the last of our commercials, and then I'll be all set for an hour uh, of chat, and then we can uh, then we can just top the week, and we'll go from there. All right. That's what we got here. Let's start with this one. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy.
Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Oh, I know what happened last week. We had to uh, start the show late because we had uh, Brianna Lodipo, uh, who is the, uh, uh, who she's an author, she's a healer, she's now a friend of mine. Uh, we had a great chat on the show. We've been talking after the show. Uh, she's the wife of our Surgeon General here in Florida, Dr. Joseph Lodipo, and it was just was a great uh, guest. And then we had uh, Karen Strawn. Uh, on last week, men's rights advocate, and it seems like the strongest men's rights advocates are women, which is kind of interesting. So we had a great chat. She's up in Canada. I'm hoping that she knows Jordan Peterson because I'd love to get him on the show. And then, of course, we had our, our guest uh, yesterday, uh, Chadwick Moore, who is the author of Tucker. And we talked about two big ideas. One is getting um, uh, Tucker hosting both Trump and Kennedy uh, for a discussion. You know, especially during the next Goobers debate, but they can do it anytime they want. And the big idea I had was that we have uh, that I go on Tucker Carlson's show and actually write a bill on the air, you know, making some broadcast history, and then it goes directly to Congress uh, from that. So those are some of the things we're thinking of. But we actually have a, a wonderful guest that checks in. I'm hoping will be a regular report. Uh, Bianca von Krieg, who is on the West Coast, uh, or as we call it, the Left Coast, you know, a progressive socialist, you know, reporter on a conservative radio show. Doesn't happen very often, but we're, I think, kind of lucky uh, to have Bianca to be able to do this. Good morning. How are you doing? Welcome back. Well, it's the first time for everything, right? <laughs> well, actually, I think it's your third time now. <laughs> yeah, but this is good. <laughs> this is really good. I, I love the insights yeah. uh, that you bring to the show because I can't ask, you know, you ask a, a conservative Republican what's going on in the Democrat Party. You know, they just say, oh, a bunch of Marxists, a bunch of communists, you know, okay, fine. But what's yeah. going on? And they don't know. So I have to ask you because you know, you know, so it's a, it's a wonderful exchange yeah. of views. Yeah, yeah. So what you been doing since last week? Well, big week um, that we're appealing and we're fighting the appeal of an injunction on street sweeps. And uh, for those of you who don't know, street sweeps are when they people off who are camping on the sidewalk because they have nowhere else to go. Yeah, this isn't cleaning the streets and with a with a brush, big you know water spray tank. No, thing. no, no. This is something really different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So nasty. let's. It's a, the euphemism for a very nasty um term, you know. Oh yeah, action. yeah. That that uh, that's you know uh, there's all kinds of nasty terms, and people tend to uh, 
you know, develop, you know, funny names for things that are actually really deadly, <laughs> you know, because they don't want to deal with, the, with what's happening. We should talk about San Francisco for a bit because I spent 30 years there. You're still there. Uh, what you told me that I, yeah. what I didn't know that Tucker Carlson was born there. Uh, I guess he went to Southern California after mm-hmm. a while. Um, but San Francisco, mm-hmm. you know, I remember I went there as a kid. You know, because I lived in Canada, and my folks took mm. me to Australia, so we landed in San Francisco. So I spent a little time there at five years old. Um, I was back at ten from Australia back to the United States. I, I went there at fourteen from junior high. Uh, we were supposed to go to Yosemite, but the bus never showed up, so we spent a day in San Francisco. That's when I decided to live there. Fourteen years old, I was in Lexington, Massachusetts, and then at twenty-four, uh, I moved out. And spent the next about 30 years there, and then it came to uh, Florida after that so I could get into radio. Um, but when I got to mm-hmm. San Francisco, it was gorgeous. You know, my first weekend, I'm in Golden Gate Park, and I saw Jerry Garcia playing with his band, you know, surrounded by a whole bunch of people and a big cloud of marijuana smoke overhead. It was hysterical. But I thought, wow. It really is like this, you know. So I was in heaven, you know, for me, you know, I was recently out of college. I was, I've been to Europe for three months. You know, I was just, you know, free spirit and on my own. I came to uh, California and it was really good up until, you know, uh, probably, uh, what, maybe 2010, things really started. When do you think it was? When do you think things started really going downhill in San Francisco? Because it was the most beautiful place to be. The neighborhoods were great. Well, I think it it goes hand in hand with the tech boom because um, you have the you have the wealth disparity starting to really expand, and as Mm -hmm. a consequence, you know rent rent rates rise, and as you know, we have rent control in San Francisco, so you see a number Mm -hmm. of people who are able to stay, and then a number of people who are are forced out. I know people in the public defender's office who had to go work for the district attorney so they could make the money they needed to stay. And they, mm. and many of them did that because, like, the kids were in schools and things like that, and they didn't want to have to move. But so that's been the decision to um, either, you know, go to the other side or, or leave the city. So, I, yeah, I mostly attribute it to the, to the tech booms. Um, that's when um, yeah, tech really had a resurgence, what they call Web 2.0. Yeah. Hmm. So... Uh, so we've been trying to fight that with things like universal basic income, which is basically uh-huh. the panacea to all that, that basically taxes the, the uber rich, not like your orthodontist guy. That <laughs> We're not talking about that kind of rich. We're talking about like people who have yachts with their own zip codes, like Jeff Bezos. And we want to tax them, and then it just basically gives people in the middle class and the lower class the money they need to you know, not be working three jobs just to have the American dream. And it's just basically that simple. So then you really don't need to have things like housing subsidies or even um, a minimum wage because you, uh, the government will just pick up what you need to have a successful life and it just does it. And that's what they've been avoiding for all these years. That's why they fight over these petty things. And that's what we're fighting for on Wednesday morning at the, at the courthouse because what the, what the city is saying is that um, – if we offer them housing, they've got to take it. But what they don't understand is that most of the housing that's being offered is full. And uh, some people have pets and things like that. And, you know, I'm a dog mommy myself, and I'd rather die yeah. than give up <laughs> my dog and yeah. not say nothing of their belongings, which, you know, obviously doesn't look like much when you walk by on the street, but it's all they have. So what we did with this injunction is that we were, we were forcing the city's hand, saying, you know, 
we have, this is the richest city and the richest country in the world. There is no excuse for this. And there's 40,000 vacant units in San Francisco. Put those two together and solve this damn problem. They don't want yeah. to do it. They want to continue to sit. They, they've left uh, people to die on the streets, people to languish, and businesses to leave, all on this, you know, this petty protection of people who would, you know, who would just as soon spit on them as look at them. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why we were so angry on Wednesday. And that's what we're fighting for. And we're going to continue to do this nationwide because this is, this is what it's coming down to. It's the haves versus the have-nots, and the haves just don't want to share. The city pulled the same shit over um, during COVID when, mm-hmm. um, when we had all the lockdowns and we were trying to get the teachers back. The teachers didn't want to go back. And the reason the teachers didn't want to go back is because they, they the city was not willing to make the investments in terms of health and hygiene that they needed to so that, the, that these environments would be safe. And again, it's the same problem. We're the richest city and the richest country in the world. You know, make what they, you know, put in the infrastructure that they need and they'll come back to work. But they tried to put it on the teachers like there's some sort of obnoxious, you know, uber wealthy, you know, scheme behind yachts people. <laughs> you know, when they, you know, when some of these people have to share a studio apartment. So. Um, oh, listen, I've I've seen ads yeah. for a couch. You know, <laughs> people were subdividing rooms. That's how that's how bad it gets. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Airbnb oh, yeah. got started. Uh, Airbnb got started in, excuse me, in San Francisco. Reason. Yeah. You know, when someone. It's a couch circuit. <clears throat> excuse me. Someone went. Oh, I gotta. Um, I gotta talk for a second. I gotta take a quick drink of water here. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. So someone yeah, I mean, Airbnb out, started um, out as a. Yeah. Okay. Someone rented a mattress, an air mattress. That's how Airbnb yeah. literally was an air mattress because they were charging a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a night uh, for an Apple computer convention downtown San Francisco. Uh, the hotels are unbelievable. Oh, the yeah. rent, I think. What's what's a, what's the uh, a studio apartment going for? Four thousand a month, five thousand a least, month. What? <laughs> maybe like a luxury one. It's not quite that bad yet, but it, okay. it is like at least three thousand, twenty three hundred. Oh, okay. Well, and, that's come down then. And I remember uh, when I was tour guiding, it was like thirty five hundred for a studio, and I think four to five for a one bedroom. It was ridiculous. Well, it's not hard to find those, believe me. Um, but yeah. yeah, the kind of the lower market stuff, yeah. The other problem is, is that these kind of obnoxious landlord policies, uh, you know, they do background checks, they do credit mm-hmm. checks, all these things. Well, you know, sure I used to rent the apartment on a handshake. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, that was a different time. Said, I like the place. <laughs> See, but those <laughs> times were different when people, yeah, but people paid <laughs> money. Well, I mean, okay, so that's different. But there was a time, I think, years ago yeah. when you could do more things on a handshake. When people said they pay their bills, you just sign a lease and you, you know you pay your rent and everything's fine. If you didn't pay, they'd have to go through the eviction. But now there's so many people um, that are d- just walk away from stuff. There's not that same honor. And you go back to the, the 1700s, there were no computers. Everything was done on a handshake. And if you, you screwed up and you lied or you broke your word, your, your life was nothing. <laughs> Nobody would ever trust you again. So there were ways to do it. Yeah, they chased but... you down with a musket. Yeah, well, yeah, there's only one shot, though. It's kind of hard to reload when you're on the run. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Hang on, we yeah. you load ye rifle. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ye rifles, uh, take, take the aim. 
Yeah. Let me talk about work for some time. That, that would be kind of fun. Well, no, and that's one of the problems with San Francisco. See, here's what's interesting. When I left San Francisco and came you know, back to the United States, you know, I actually got to a place where I can carry a gun. I mean, we, and in Florida, they just get rid of the permits. So uh, you don't need a permit to carry a gun anymore, which is the way the Second Amendment's written. Um, and we, yeah, we should talk about that sometime. That is how yeah. it's written. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't say, you know, sec- Second Amendment only if you have a permit or only if yeah. you do this. It's non-conditional. It is non-conditional. So if you don't fall – let me talk guns for it. This will be kind of interesting. So if you don't fall into the, mm-hmm. the, the, the gun-grabbing Democrat Party left, how, where, where do you stand on this, and how do you fit in with the Democrat Party that does want to have such strict rules and gun confiscation blatantly in violation of the Constitution and also yeah, wants to boost yeah. the, the guns that it, the government Here's how has. that happens. Greg, okay. Tell me. Is that the thing is is that these a lot of these people, you know, are on the on the ground, you know, on the ground floor where this stuff is happening. So they see guns being shot and they just kind of react and they say, "We got to take the guns. The guns are the problem." But of course, we know about things in schools about like pipe bombs and you know things like that, and it's pretty easy to make a mustard gla- mustard gas too mm-hmm. yep. from things you have at home. So it's it's really not the solution and we're seeing and school shootings are actually kind of a new thing for me you know when i was a kid people didn't do that like you know to mm-hmm. me had to go round and round and the principal would put his foot down and they'd scatter um it's a it's an indication of a far larger problem in our society and it's not mental health you know when i when i was a kid our teachers told us <laughs> that they wouldn't want to change places with us for all the money in the world and that's, that's oh, a pretty different weird thing to tell a kid. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. they, they kind of saw that the, the way things were heading, and then they said, we don't want to be a part of that. And it's gotten even worse now. I think a lot of kids are shutting down, and then mm-hmm. um, they're taking their lives, and sometimes others. But again, guns aren't the issue. They have to fix the problems. Again, we're doing it with the same thing with defund the police, making them fix the problems of crime. We're doing things with uh, opposing uh, the injunction appeal. Make them fix the problem. And that's what I'm about. Fix the damn problem. Well, Stop putting band-aids over things. Stop distracting things. Yeah. The defund thing is the same thing. It's that we, want, okay. we knew there'd be trouble, but they were supposed to fix the problems. Because when people oh, have a place saying. to live and a right. vocation, they generally don't go bashing into uh, jewelry stores. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, they, they, but, have no pla- they have no place to live. They have no things to go. And if you have, if you have no place to live or if you're going to lose your place, you're going to steal. If you're on the street and you have no place to go and no place to live, yeah, you're going to use drugs. Because what are you supposed to do? Sit there and write sonnets and read Chaucer? You know, come on. It's no, like I understand all your point. things are there. We, you have, uh, yeah. yeah. We agree on a lot of things, but we just so have different ways of getting the same, there. Mm-hmm. Same thing with guns. Fix the problems. Guns aren't the problem. It's what people yeah. do when they get the guns. Yeah. It's that's the thing. I, I hate to sound like a Republican, but I mean. <laughs> well, no, know. but there's a way you can argue this too, and this is this is something that I use that might help yeah. with uh, with with fellow Democrats, socialists, progressives. Is that the Second Amendment has nothing to do with crime on the streets? It just doesn't. What the Second Amendment does is no. stops the government is from preventing you. Protecting yeah, the government. Yeah, stops the government. The whole thing is right. Was, a, mm-hmm. was the whole Bill of Rights was meant 
to actually instigate another revolution if the, the new form of government they set up got so bloated and so bad that they needed to be taken. It was a very magnanimous thing they did, thinking to ourselves, mm-hmm. like, we don't want to replace one oppression with another. And so they put the tools in there to start yeah. another, another revolution if, if needed. You have the right to speak, you have the right to gather, and you have the right to due process, to face your accuser, and you have the right to back it up if things get bad. So, um, yeah, you know, that's why I oppose these things. I've seen a lot of oppression in government now. And unfortunately, it's just they're, they're not, there's not a lot of education there, so they don't even really realize what's happening to it. And it has to stop. And it's not so much of a big government thing. It's a, it's a big, stupid government thing. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. And this is something that uh, if we could ever, you know, get some folks together on this, uh, that, uh, the, you know, the crime problem is a crime problem. It's not a Second Amendment problem. Because the Second Amendment doesn't affect no. people individually. It affects the government. It says that the government cannot touch the ability of people to own and carry firearms. Now, once people decide to use those firearms, that's statutory law. Those are criminal laws. They're, they're yeah. legal uses of guns, self-defense, and they're illegal uses of guns, you know, carjacking. And that's how I explain it. And once you get away from the Second Amendment, you know, limiting the Second Amendment as a crime problem, you, you realize that the two are totally uh, mutually exclusive. Because the Second Amendment doesn't limit people. It limits the government, you know, strictly, saying what they can't do. Um, but the people are limited by statutory law as to legal and illegal uses of a gun, not owning and carrying it. The owning and carrying it is an absolute right, but the uses are statutory and are broken down to legal and illegal. And once you can make that separation, excuse me, it's easy to argue um, the rest of the, the whole thing and not make it a gun control issue with the Second Amendment. And that's where everybody gets screwed up and hung up on things that they don't have to if they understand the issue. Um, but but rights are something that uh, there's some rights that you and I have a very different opinion on. Um, one of them is universal um, basic mm-hmm. income, and there's something else. There was a rally, uh, solidarity rally for justice and housing. Was that tied in with what you're talking about, the street sweeping bill, or is that something different? Uh, justice and housing is that what it was called? I think it's something you sent me. Was it that same one day? Of the, one of the articles. There was uh, housing is a human. Oh no, right. yeah, that no, that's. Yeah, that's what thing? I was talking about. That was it, okay. it is the same thing. Um, okay. Yeah, and it, we made the wires that day, and um, because this, had, I was I was talking to some of the other progressive members of the progressive caucus in the House and the Senate. It's like mm-hmm. this has implications for New York and Chicago as well. Yeah. Because you know this is a federal court, and um, it actually go, it actually goes back to a decision that was made in Oregon in. Um, 2018 is the law that they're using. But, um, yeah, this is, this well, is, we're on the front lines of a very nasty, nasty war right now. And yeah, we're we, but we don't want it to be a war. We want, it, we want to solve this problem. And like I say, when I was... We uh, didn't want I it to be a war either. We were hoping this, the richest city yeah. and the richest country in the, of the world would do right by people, and they didn't do it. Yeah, and that just kind of shows how like nasty these quote unquote Democrats really are because it's all de- it's all Democrats, it's all Democrats. No Republicans. Well, the whole city's Democrat. You can't blame Republicans for San Francisco because there aren't any. Yeah, and if there are, yeah, they're exactly. neutered. <laughs> they're just exactly. they're non-existent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, so it's it's Democrats pretending to be Republicans and you know, 
and yeah. and doing this kind of nasty business where you know we're not going to tax the people that we need to tax so we can so we can help the people we need to help that's what it comes down to that's what it comes down to everything else is just noise if this yeah. was ethiopia this would be a different discussion but <laughs> we're not yeah yeah. Well, the other thing too is, is I was thinking too about you know when this all got started. I remember 2008, things changed. Um, you know, I, I got uh, laid mm-hmm. off from a job, so I ended up being a tour guide, which was really fun. Um, but I watched the city yeah, over the years. Fun, I was, oh, tour guide was a blast. I, I loved it. I was driving the duck boats mm-hmm. out of Fisherman's Wharf, and the motorized cable you got cars. A duck you boat? might have even see me. I drove a duck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a duck even boat. See me. I've never seen those I did. like in the city. Yeah, they've gone now. Oh, but uh, I used to drive the duck boats and uh, into the water. Where would you, you know, in San Francisco. Uh, Fisherman's Wharf. We went through the city, through North Beach. There's a boat launch there? Well, there's a, there was a boat dock out near uh, the baseball stadium. And on the other side of the stadium was a oh, place okay. where we used to, and we used to go driving into the water really fast and make a big splash. And then the, the, the yacht club, you know, complained and we had to like ease into the water, took all the fun out of it. Then the city passed noise ordinances oh. that we couldn't uh, uh, broadcast. And I used to talk to people on the side of the road for my, for my cable car and we had a lot of fun, but the hop on hop off tours mm-hmm. were so loud with their announcements, especially by uh, uh, Rainbow Row there at, um, <laughs> I forgot what hill it was. Anyway, oh boy, I've been away too long. Anyway, um, but uh, up there in the center of the city, you know, the houses that they use on all the TV shows, that they quieted all our things. They took all the fun out of it. Anyway, but that was, I noticed the decline from when I left in 2016. Uh, no, 2017 is when I left. But before that, you know, uh, the, the business had so changed. Um, the city had so changed from, I guess, 2008 with the crash to like 2016. Those eight years were like really bad years. And the tech people were still getting mm-hmm. richer. But the uh, the poor folks were, were multiplying. So I want to talk about the, the, a lot of the things we're talking about here, but I'm curious, since San Francisco is a sanctuary city, has the population increased drastically because of all the folks that have come across our border? And is that part of the homeless problem you're experiencing now? Yeah, I would, I would say there's, there's some truth to that, and that's, that's principally why I'm against sanctuary city policies. I okay. believe they're fundamentally inhumane, right? But we can't help the you people sure you're we have now. We're, 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 we're. <laughs> I'm starting to question your. No, I know you are, but I'm just. That's, just, that's but it's the thing, you know. It's like okay. they they throw out the bat signal. Yeah, come on over. We got. <laughs> there's like there's no room for them. Yeah. We can't help the city, the people we have now. But okay. yeah, yeah, I'm progressive. That's so why does this income and all these things like? That. But yeah, no, it's sanctuary cities are. I I do believe in building a wall. You know, okay. I have a really funny clip on our on our YouTube channel. Go to Bianca for San Francisco, and okay. there's a clip of Nancy Pelosi sitting in Donald Trump's off, uh, you know, Oval Office, and she's saying, "Mr. President, we can have security without having a wall." And then, what did she do after January 6th? She puts up a big wall around the Capitol with, you know, like these, oh yeah, you know, um, dystopian surveillance towers. You know, yeah. it's like, and I threw that threw that right back in her face, and it's like you're full of shit, lady. And um, <laughs> we know that. But here's so, the thing, though. They so, are. so for the for the conservatives out there, for it the should be a democratic issue. Democratic. This should be a democratic issue because they're taking jobs. Okay. There, there's no such thing as a labor shortage in the United States. Anybody who tells you that, punch him in the face. Okay. Yep. There's no such thing as a labor shortage. There's a shortage of, um, you know, compassion and fairness. To give people the wage that they want, to you know, to do the which you, the the skills you need, the services you want to offer. It's basic economics. 
And that's why they're trying to undermine the system with, you know, immigration. And that's not fair to Americans, and that's not fair to um, really anybody. So, yeah, I, I oppose um, this kind of free flow of uh, across the borders, and I think the wall was a good idea. And I, I actually even spoke to uh, uh, Greg Abbott's office, and I congratulated him. I thought his busing program was brilliant, and it worked. <laughs> yeah. You know, it worked. Yeah, I, I, it, you I know, you have train loads. Eric Adams on national TV going, we need help. Yeah, taste of your own medicine, jackass. You've been writing checks, and now your butt has to cash. Your mouth has been writing checks. Your butt has to cash. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, I, remember, yeah, I thought that's it was a, a, good, top gun it was a good idea to really focus on them. Yeah. They were thought, well, so I think it's a good idea. I think sanctuary cities are inhumane, and, you know, and it just heaps more problems on, on the lower ends of society. And it's, it's you know, you have to write – if your mouth writes checks, your butt has to cash them. You know, uh, Gavin Newsom said in 20, 2004, in 10 years, we're going to have a, the city completely free of homeless. Well, <laughs> he was wrong again. Very wrong. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so let's 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 get to a question. I think a lot of folks, you know, conservative folks might ask as to why this policy exists. What 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 did the Democrats say the reason for opening our borders and bringing in 15 million people that have no right to be here? Why would they do that? We think it's just to increase the voting. They're doing it under the under the guise of you know humanitarian, like if they're refugees from like a war-torn country like Haiti. No, it's not. And that's what, and that's why the Republicans have a thing is that they, it basically cartels and basically what I call uh, um, economic refugees, which are the ones you really don't want in your country, are, are you exploiting the policy um, to get here and you know, try and get benefits and things like that. And we can't, we can't do this for the entire world. Unfortunately, you know, we have to take care of the citizens. That we have first, but why are they doing a billion it? dollars a week to the Ukraine, and what's, what's, we have to take care. And then if there's, a, sorry, that's okay. Wait, but wait, wait, I want to get to the real reason behind this. I mean, because like I say, most conservatives with an independence think that it's, it's just to get you know more votes, preferably, or, or if it's illegal votes, they don't care. Uh, and so, so why would the Democrats do this? What's the logic behind it? Who, whoever's pulling uh, Brandon strings. Why did they open the border? I don't, we, you know, we think we know, but I'd like to hear it from you. As, it's so they you know, can when, get in what, cheap labor. Okay. That's what they want. They want cheap labor in there. I mean, why do you see commer- you know, commercials like Modelo and Microsoft talking about, like, you know, letting people into the country and all that stuff and being cool and open-minded? They're not doing that out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because they, they want those people working for them at slave wages. So but that lowers that's what it's wage. all about. Yeah, which lowers everybody. Yeah, exactly. Wage. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly no, what I'm saying. It lowers the, the standard of living for everybody. Yeah. It, it, so it basically turns America into Mexico with that kind of arbitrage. And you don't want that. Nobody wants that. No, so, so they really are trying to destroy Mexico. the middle class, for example. <laughs> They're trying to destroy the middle. And, yeah. You know, uh, you know, you go back to the 50s, you know, one person, usually the, the guy, and I don't recommend that that's, that's the lifestyle we have to go back to, but a single working parent being able to support a family, you know, with another parent taking care yeah, of kids yeah. and they still were able to take a vacation, you know, once a year and they had a car or two. That's, and, that's they, you gone. Know, and And the taxes that's were gone. low we're and they actually worked fit. nine to five instead of, you know, eight to six or whatever it is now. But, yeah, and those, but we How did about it. Eight How did we eight? do that? <laughs> 
How did, yeah, well, how did we do, well, if you commute in San Francisco, especially from the East Bay, how did we do that in the 50s and 60s? And we couldn't we, we run well, close to that that, unfortunately, might have been in something of a fluke, and people have to really keep this in mind. The, okay. What made America great in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, so to speak, was an, unfortunately it was World War II. Yeah. And because of World War II, uh, the, the entire first world got the snot kicked out of them, everybody except for us in Canada, really. So yep. factories were gone. All the production capacity was gone. And if you wanted anything nice, you had to buy it from America. So, um, yes, and then the, the around TV the 70s, Mad they were able to rebuild and get back online. Yeah. And so yeah, that's what made America. You can't look back on the 50s and say, you know, God, let's. there's a way to get – unfortunately, you know, the only way to get back there is to have World War III. And that's <laughs> not a good thing. We don't so, want to do that. Um, and have us emerge unscathed. You know, we yeah. don't want to do that. That's a really good point. We don't. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. And uh, as soon as you said World War II, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But given that, let's get the reality of today. And I remember something that uh, you probably know that most people don't know. Cesar Chavez, who was head of the uh, uh, United Farm Workers, yeah. uh, was American. Mm-hmm. And he hated illegal aliens because they took jobs away from his American yeah. farm workers. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Greg. See, the thing, yeah. they think the people who are ill, who are undocumented here, they call them undocumented. They think they want open borders, and that's yeah. that's a total lie. Mm-hmm. You know, all they want is to be un undocumented and to get services. As a matter of fact, many of them would say, "Yeah, <laughs> put a nice big border wall up because I don't want any more people coming here and taking my job." <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm in, you know, close the, the gate behind me. Yeah, yeah. Well. So it's interesting organization. Soros-funded groups who knew, uh-huh. who meant well when they started, um, who started for good reasons, but really they needed to stand. It's kind of like pride parades. You know, they don't really need to have a pride parade in San Francisco anymore. And many gay people have actually complained that it's become too commercial. In fact, but you know, what do you do? You build up this big organization. You got all these great mm-hmm. brands, and you sit mm-hmm. there and say, "Well, we've kind of solved the problem, but it's a shame to break up the band." <laughs> So they kind of no, create actually, more that's, problems that's that aren't really there. Point. You know, I've said the same thing about environmentalists. It's like, okay, the country's clean. Go home. You won. You know, we, we don't have, yeah. you know, 65 Chevys belching, you know, five, gal- five miles per right. gallon, you know, horrible pollution. Cars are like 99 point whatever percent cleaner than they were in the 60s. Okay, you won. That's a good thing. Catalytic converters, you know, leads out of the fuel. You won. People don't know when it, it's like Michelangelo. Yeah. If, he, if he stopped uh, chiseling away at the David... He'd have nothing left but, uh, you know, rock chips on the ground. You have a marble chips. You got to know when to stop. <laughs> you know, when, when you've completed you your picture, stop. stop. Yeah. Don't, don't fix it. Okay, it's done. And the same thing applies to a lot of stuff out there. You know, it's, it's like the folks that, you know, and the environmental movement is now moving into climate change, which we all know is a total joke. The, the, you know, carbon dioxide is, is yeah. part of the carbon cycle. It's essential for plant growth. It is not warming the earth up. Usually it works the other way around. The plant warms up and then we get more carbon dioxide because the air can hold more carbon dioxide when it's warmer. And that's when we get more plant growth. And that's why the Sahara is greening in certain parts of Australia. But we'll get on to that. I want to get back to uh, this, this idea of uh, now, do you, I think where we differ uh, is that we agree that the uh, second amendment, we have a right to our, you know, defend ourselves. We have a right to uh, own and carry firearms, but there's no right to use them in any way that you choose. Obviously there are legal and illegal uses of firearms, yeah. but the actual right to keep and bear them is a right. Okay. So let's get on to housing because I think we're going to disagree on that, that you think housing is a right also, and a, and a universal basic income yeah. is a right. Okay. Yeah, we are going to disagree. It's but let's explore not, that then. Let's, let's find out where and why and how. Yeah. 
No, it's not a constitution. Well, it's let me not, explain how I, how I think of rights. It's not a constitution, but it is, it is fundamental. It okay. is fundamental. So, it is fundamental right, so, human right to have a place to live, especially in a country like this. Yeah. Especially in so a when country you say, like this. When, yeah, well, I'll tell you, like I say, his word, I think, yeah, same idea, different ways of getting there. So to me, when I hear fundamental right, I'm thinking, you know, UN Declaration of Human Rights, which to me is, is a worldwide yeah. government slave document. I don't like that document at all because it implies responsibilities, conditions, and all kinds of things. And rights are absolute. To me, you know, I'm with, the, I'm with Thomas Jefferson. You know, rights are given by God. They're separate from government. They're a birthright. When we come into the world, we have certain rights the government cannot grant nor take away. Um, but what you can't well, do yeah, is where we differ. Point because it's easy uh-huh. for Democrats to write rights like that because they apparently don't believe that rights are absolute. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's know, the problem. You take the Second Amendment argument. Uh-huh. You know, right. yeah. We'll talk about that. I mean, they don't believe that a gun right is absolute, and therefore it's easy for them to say that. It's the same, but it kind of the other the other side of that coin is the, the uh-huh. UN Declaration of Rights, right? Because it's like, well, they're not. We're going to say these things, but we're not going to make them absolute. So we're going to make them conditions. Well, because they're conditions the and responsibilities. Yeah. So now a right has to be absolute. <laughs> Otherwise, it becomes a government condition. So this is why I say right. So the absolute right is keep and bear. But use doesn't enter in, into it at all. Okay. And the reason that no. rights are the absolute right to keep and bear, because if you want to use it legally, say for self-defense, you have to have it right there with you. And if the government has taken away your right to bear arms, then you cannot use it lawfully for self-defense. So the reason it's an absolute right is because so the rights are affect government. People forget this too. A right is a firewall on government. A right is a place where the government cannot go. Okay, They just can't. They cannot cross over because if the government puts conditions, limitations, it's like COVID mandates. Oh, we can, uh, we can take away your rights for public health. No, you can't. Okay, Constitution doesn't have an escape clause, doesn't have a suspension, restriction, or or public interest clause. None of that stuff exists. So the way I see the Second Amendment and any right is the right has to be absolute. Otherwise, it becomes a government privilege. All right. If you can take part of a right away, you can take all of it away. So that's why the rights are absolute. You cannot take any part of keep and bear. Now, can you restrict the use of firearms? Absolutely. You know, you can't go shooting in the streets. Yeah. You can't kill people. You can't carjack, hijack, rob banks or things like that. You can't do that. All right. But you can. And people need to keep in mind that discharging uh-huh. a gun in Montana and in downtown New York are totally different things. Oh, yeah. You know, because bullets, bullets move and they come down. You, know, yeah. you can't do that wild Texan thing where you go yippee yippee and shoot your guns up in the air. Because <laughs> bullets well, come actually, down that's they the problem come in California. speed that they left. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the San Jose has what? a problem with that because you got a, San Jose has a problem with that because you got a lot of folks firing guns into the air in New Year's, and those bullets come down. Yeah. 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 And that's not that they, not, not, they don't know how to use guns. They don't know how to respect guns. Right, but that's you know, an it, illegal not use. Toy, but that has nothing not to do with keeping accessory. and bearing. Yeah. So if if you if you keep it no. keep and bear, okay, as long as you're you're bearing your gun in your holster, all right, or you keep your guns at home, you're good. Government cannot touch that. All right. Uh, however, the minute you, you, you grab that gun for the intent of using it, you know, then, you're, then you're in the world of statutory law, which is subordinate to rights. That's why, that's why the rights can't be touched. But the laws themselves that govern the use of that firearm can be. Um, so in the same way, you know, I, would, I would look at that for um, – well, here's the distinction. I'm going to kind of switch this a little bit. So for me, a right is something that you exercise yourself. Nobody can take it away from you, but nobody gives you 
the ability either. So in other words, you don't take from somebody else to exercise a right. This is why housing and food and shelter are not a right. Uh, you certainly may think that people deserve them. That's fine. And it may come under the UN. But as far as a right goes, no one has a right to take your work, your property for themselves. And if you're taking from one person to give to another, if you're, you know, and this is why I disagree with the, the universal uh, income, that if you're taking from a certain population to pay to other people, that's wrong. So we've got to find a different way to do this, maintaining our rights, maintaining our property rights, but still have people live a decent life. And I agree with you there. So I think there's a different way to do that. So a right to me, and it's as simple as the right to free speech, uh, says the government cannot stop you from speaking. You have an absolute right to speak. Now, once you do speak, you come under libel, slander, you know, threatening public officials, things like that. Okay? But until you speak, you have the absolute right to speak. The government cannot touch it. But they don't have to give you a computer so you can speak. Okay? You've got to go out and buy your own computer. So in the same way, you know, we have a right to life, but you don't have a right to take somebody else's property to get yourself a home. You've got to get that yourself. That's where I draw the distinction. Hmm, interesting. So, but how would we live? Because we need to have taxes, and that means taking other people's property in order okay, to do so that. Let's talk about taxes. So taxes are for legitimate, and I use that in big quotation marks and underlined, legitimate government expenses because there are things the governments do that we can't do, like defend our borders, you know, build, you know, whatever militaries are necessary to keep us safe, things like that. Governments can do things. Yeah. Law enforcement. Yeah. Good things and bad things. Mm -hmm. I still disagree that the atom bomb should not have been used in World War II. We should talk about that sometime. I think it was a huge mistake. As were a bunch of yeah, things in World I, I War concur. II. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, fact, most I'll people don't know this. There was a, they were very worried about the possibility of setting the atmosphere on fire and killing all life on Earth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you've never exploded a bomb, yeah. that actually was a real possibility until they detonated at Trinity in New Mexico, until they actually set one off. And it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it could mm-hmm. have been. Even the hydrogen uh, thermonuclear. Thing. Yeah. What was that? I'm sorry? It was contained. That's the point. Yeah. But we'd already defeated Japan. How much? How, well, this idea of going for unconditional surrender never made sense. Besides, Admiral King had the best plan. MacArthur screwed up. King was going to split the Japanese forces in, in the middle of the Pacific, cut off their supply lines, starve the bottom half of the forces, which are doing most of the damage, uh, and then just reduce, you know, once Japan's industrial capacity and military was destroyed, you go home. It's okay, you lost. We're going mm-hmm. home. <laughs> You know, there was no need to invade the homeland, humiliate the country. And that's how, we got into, that's how we got into World War II in the first place, was what happened to Germany, you know, at the end of World War I. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, they were treated to, too harshly. Yeah. So, anyway, after World War II, which is an interesting place to start, the UN was created. Bretton Woods, San Francisco, the whole bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then part of it was the UN Declaration of Human Rights. So, do you see a difference between a human right and an individual right? Well, by definition, individuals are humans. Exactly. But... So it's, it's what we call an inherited class. Okay. See, I see a difference. See, to me, a human right implies that every human being on the planet has, has the same right to what every other human being has. And this is where the problems come in. That's what they an individual want. Right. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. Right. Um, so that, you know, we can get people in Ethiopia, you know, yeah. The same education yeah. that they get in the United States, and they can get a you know clean clean water, clean mm-hmm. safe place to live. And um, the good news is is that with uh, fusion ignition, we've taken a huge first step towards that process, okay. and uh, we're going to be able to provide everybody with 
all over the world with all the energy they need. So that's bad news for the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. Well, and bad news for OPEC. They, they'll, they'll to be sure. They've 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 made up petrodollars, Middle East. Yeah, I don't fine. think so because and here's why. The thing is, is that they've they've been trying to basically trying to live the same way that they've lived like two thousand years ago. Um, oh. And that's not really it's not really feasible in today's world. The only reason they were able to live that way and support that kind of patriot what's that what's that word when it's like a man run oh patriarchy um, society. Um, yeah, patriarchies, patriarchies and matriarchies. Yeah, um, yeah. So they were they're able to kind of keep that kind of extreme patriarchy lifestyle because they were financially supported by through their oil. Now, when oil becomes basically worthless or nominally valued, that's going to be a huge problem for them. They're going to actually have to start, you know, living like a civilized society. <laughs> and that, I think that's well, more going to come in, so that's going to be a yeah. huge a huge um a huge wet blanket for them so to speak well it's um, interesting like so saudi yeah, arabia so is, is an interesting study in contrast because you've got a monarchy saudi arabia you've got gone. saudi arabia i mean the house it means the house of saud you know it's a family so it's basically a family mm. country it's a yeah. family dynasty and that's very unusual these days and where some people are, yeah. are incredibly wealthy a lot of people are not you know they're still living as bedouins on camels you know, so you've got huge yeah. contrast. Okay, so I do agree uh, with you on one respect that the the greater the the uh, the distance between the the wealthiest and the poorest folks, the more promise you're going to have. You know, the real answer answer is a yeah. middle class. But how do we get there? And, yeah. and the way I get there is with freedom. So in other words, you take Ethiopia. Uh, if Ethiopia had you know our constitution and our freedom and our economic freedom, um, would they not? Would they be different? Instead of a warlord, um, you know, basically feudal society. Yeah, the thing is, is uh, they they don't have the skills and resources right. that the United States has. That, that the average, you know, the United States has considerable resources. Mm-hmm. Ethiopia really doesn't have that much going for them. It's kind of a, just a desert. Um, and no, I understand. And, and nations aren't equal. Is, you know, we have yeah. more oil. Other countries have more uranium. Other countries have more all kinds of different things. You know, Ukraine is full of wheat, and they're really, everything grows in the Ukraine soil. It's the richest soil in the world. They're just stupid yeah. enough to have a war going on there right now, which is insane. But anyway, but to me, the answer is always freedom, because what makes the United States prosperous is not the fact that we're, you know, uh, you know, basically starting off as a white European country, you know, the whole bit. But although the, the ideas of freedom came from basically England. The, the ideas of freedom came from England, and the ideas of communism came from Germany and Austria. <laughs> it's got, you know, Europe really has dominated the two big philosophies of the world. But what makes us, you know, take, we talk about El Salvador a lot on the show because Josie's our, our, uh, our Latina correspondent. She's from Nicaragua originally and listens to a lot of Spanish news and keeps up with what's going on in Central and South America. And so El Salvador is a place that is bringing freedom. They're getting rid of their corruption. They're arresting their criminals. They're putting their gangs in jail by a huge amount, thousands, thousands of people they're putting in jails. So and it's a little country. And their, their quality of life is, is booming right now. And I was hoping to get Trump down there, hopefully when I talk to him, to get to El Salvador, bring in some investment, and make this a model for Central America, Central America to show that it's not the United States that's the ideal, but freedom. And that every country that goes for freedom can increase the, the, the living standards of everybody. And the real secret is a middle class, is a, is a middle group where the average person 
can have, or at least try to get back to what we had in the 50s and 60s, you know, where one person, or, or at least a standard where people, where the income matches the expense. And I think that's the biggest problem right now. And this is what you get to also, right? The income well, doesn't once match the expense. Well, once you reach middle class, it's, it's civil war. Well, middle class is, is, yeah, that's what, that's, you can see that okay. throughout just about every instance in history when there was a big war, they lost their middle right. class. Yeah. So um, the middle class, the middle class is key to having any society. And so is the upper class too. You know, that's why communism mm-hmm. doesn't work. You know, yeah. um, some people want to put in that much effort and that's great. Some people are real go-getters and um, they need to get a little bit more. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. What we're saying right, right now with America is like, <laughs> it's too much. You know, unchecked capitalism will not work. You have to have you have to have like what I call like a, a pressure valve, you know, to let this, otherwise you're going to have, the, you know, because um, cause wealth is finite. And when wealth becomes, you know, concentrated as it tends to do, that's the old saying, you know, the rich get richer. And if it keeps going indefinitely, then you have no middle class. You have, you just basically have the haves and the have nots. And that's when you're like in civil war territory. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> What I'm saying is there's a middle ground in capitalism. We can have a middle ground where, you know, everybody gets what they need. And, you know, there's people who get to have more because they, they contribute more. Um, but it doesn't have to be like this kind of kick you in the teeth capitalism. and you know, kicks you when you're down and, you know, grinds you up. It's just, I would, I would say, and this applies more to your listeners, is um, Christian capitalism, kind of like just more compassionate. Saying okay, you, you know things didn't work out. We'll we'll help you out, and you can get and we'll get you up there and try it again. Um, but not like kick you when you're down, destroy you, lose your home, lose your family. God knows what. There's there's a middle ground. Um, one of the things I do when I speak in this, um, is I ask the time, and let's see. Right now the time is 7:44 um, mm-hmm. PST. The time in the universe is actually about a couple hours ahead. And the reason why that is, is because we haven't had a leap year yet to correct the, the, um, the little bit of cruel of a time that happens you know, day after day, week after week. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not a perfect 365. Um, and nobody would say we need to get rid of a leap year. <laughs> nobody would say that. That would be idiotic. And by the same yeah. token, you know, we need to have a leap year in our capitalist system to, to correct things and get, you know, make sure that there's a middle class, make sure that the poor aren't just working three jobs just to, for the honor of working for some asshole. Um, <clears throat> and just correct it once in a while so that everything works the way it should. And that's really what we're saying. And that's why, it's, you know, you know the, the other members of the squad and I were not, communists, you know, we just want America to be clean and safe and work right like it does in Northern Europe and Canada. That's, that's what we're trying to do. So that's why, you know, the Republicans have created this meme of these kind of nasty words because <laughs> they're, they're threatened by that. The people who are, in, who are threatened by that are the deep state because that's that's, those are the ones you're going to have to pay. We are going to make them pay real bad. We're not talking about you know, that guy who lives down the street who has an orthodontist and is kind of obnoxious. 
we're not talking about those kind of rich. We're talking about the people who would you know, who think you need to die for the privilege of serving them. Mm-hmm. Those people are going to go after. Those people are going to end, and we're going to get them. And I've made it my life's work to do it, and I'm pretty smart. <laughs> so oh, yeah. and, no, uh, uh, there's some other people you, out there who are pretty smart too. And we don't have dummies on my show. I mean, so that's you, what we're trying to last. do. That's what <laughs> yeah, we're trying to yeah. do. Yeah, I and I see it differently. Uh, well, a little bit different. I don't think there's enough money in, in the rich people that you want to go after to give everybody a basic income. I don't think there's that much money around. I think what we need to do is create a better economy for everyone. See, right now we've got uh, welfare capitalism. That's trickle down well, economics. Well, we're gonna yeah. Let me let me explain what I, I I've never liked that expression because I don't you know it, well and I don't I don't favor you know like I'm against corporate welfare. People think uh, that all conservatives, and I I don't count count myself a conservative. I'm way to the right of them. I'm basically an anti-federalist. You know, the Constitution needs a little reworking, Mm -hmm. uh, certainly as far as the Supreme Court goes. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Um, But the idea Mm -hmm. is that right now, it's you've heard the expression capitalism for the poor, socialism for the rich. (laughs) Or no? Yeah, it's pretty nasty. And when I say rich, I'm talking corporations, okay? So, in other words, mm. in, 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 if you want real freedom, so a free market as opposed to a regulated market, uh, in a free market, the banks that are failing would fail. General Motors would fail. New York City would not get a bailout. There would be no bailouts. If you need to restructure, there are bankruptcy laws. There are ways to handle this, but you don't get corporate welfare. You don't, you don't pay farmers for not growing crops. You don't uh, have foreign aid you know, so that countries can invest in our tractor company. You know, you have regular trade. Like Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, Silicon Valley Bank. Remember, perfect example. Remember that? Yeah, I do. And if they go and broke, they the, go broke. The thing that bothered me. Uh-huh. The thing that bothered me is that the accounts are only insured up to like what, hundred grand, two hundred fifty thousand. I think it's like two fifty now. Yeah, um, because of them. Yeah. Yes, it's. But the thing is, they were saying their depositors will not lose a penny. Well, most of their depositors are well over $100,000. Well, they should lose So a I'm penny. just kind of curious. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like you're only guaranteed up to hundred grand. Everything else, better luck next time. And so I'm just wondering how the hell <laughs> that they did that and, you know, not, not break that break that law. So to speak. Well, they lied. I'm really <laughs> it's curious very simple. how they, they, they bailed people out. Yeah. You know, you can't do that. You can't bail yeah, out student and they loans. Should, you shouldn't you bail, bail out bail anybody. like that. Yeah. Yeah. They well, see, that's the problem. Right. But if now, see, if you want to uh, get back to, you know, more of a middle class, which I both, we both agree on that. Okay. But if you do it by taking mm-hmm. income from people and taking property, I think that's the wrong way to go. And so the way to go for me would be to end the corporate we welfare and the subsidies. Stop the foreign wars. Stop the borrowing. So we talked about this last week, right? If oh, yeah. uh, we have a constitutional amendment, all right. Now, now Tucker Carlson now has that Did amendment. Did you see as the Republican convention when they, when they oh, said the debate? get out of Ukraine and everybody cheered? Everybody cheered when they, I think it was Vic Ramosami or something. So said, we're going to get gonna out of Ukraine. With Ukraine. I didn't watch the Goober debate. That's what I'm calling the GOP, uh, the globalist deep state Goober, uh, <laughs> candidates of the Goobers. It was, so the kinda, it was actually kind of fun to watch. They were yelling at each okay. other. They were really going at it. They were really going at, at each other's throats. It was hilarious. Man, I'll catch you on a replay. It's a good point. I've got more time this weekend to, uh, to look into it. Um, but 
Yeah, these guys—they're all—they're all the goobers. They're all deep state. They're all—they're all on donors, you know, pay. They're—they're they're saying what they're supposed to say. Ramaswamy, I don't trust him one bit. I was—I was going over him before you came on no. the show, and oh, you don't trust him either, right? Yeah. Okay, why? Why? No, I—I I didn't trust any of. The, none of those guys are are. That's why they're polling in single digits. You know? <laughs> okay. Nobody Makes trusts sense. them. Yeah. But even even the post wrap up, they had a, a political co- a Republican commentator, and he's like, mm-hmm. "What the hell was you know Asia Hutchinson doing there?" <laughs> you know who <laughs> wasn't like, there? Like, you know who wasn't it? Larry Elder, and he yeah. qualified for the debate. Larry, you know, yeah, I heard about. Because he's a white supremacist. That's, he's a white supremacist. That's why they didn't have him on, <laughs> which just cracks me well, up. It, yeah, I know. It's it's. The, that's what I mean. It was just hilarious, and these guys like all trying to accuse each other of being deep state. <laughs> it's well, like, they're all deep it's state. It's like that thing with kids do, you know. Um, you know, he who smelt the fart dealt it. You know, he who smelt right. it dealt it, and they're all farting and they're all trying to blame each other for. It. <laughs> that sounds about right. That's the part where the debate was like. But yeah. to me, it doesn't matter because they're all donor class. They're all deep state. They're all being told what to do. They're all being managed. Yeah. They're all being handled. So what's the point? So to me, it's a useless gathering. The interesting part was I watched the Tucker Carlson. No, it was just Trump it was funny as a show. Okay, so that would data, you know. We need to set it to music. Um, actually, I, I got to send you something. I <laughs> that need. would be a good idea. Somebody's probably well, working no, on that right now. I actually, well, I'll send it to you. I, I did. You remember that Joe Biden speech where he had the the red background and the flags and everything kind of draped in the background? Yeah, that was not a good look. <laughs> Well, here's what happened. No, I thought it, it looked like, like ominous, Stalin. Dis, dis, no, I actually, <laughs> I actually, no, I made, I made a, I made a, a YouTube of that with the Russian national anthem in the background. It's hysterical. I'll send it to you. Yeah, that 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 would be a good video. That would be hilarious. Yeah, because yeah, uh, that was not a good look for him. Well, it was. It looked like he looked like a dictator, which is what he wants to be. So now, how, yeah. Um, so how do the progressives justify? Do it at night. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we know the election was stolen. We know the Democrats know the election was stolen because the, that, you know, the deep state Democrats and Republicans stole the election. So we know that. So the question is, how does the how does the squad, how do the progressives view this? You have to know that Joe Biden could never beat Donald Trump in a free and fair election. That this was totally, totally rigged. And given that, well, one thing is definitely for sure is that uh-huh. Biden is done. You know the old oh, man's yeah. had it. You know the guy is just. But he he's, never should have been literally there. falling apart. Well, I so agree too. You know, um, the thing is, is that you know, if we had gotten the candidate that we really wanted, um, we, you know, there'd be a different person in the White House. So and who should have? We who should be there? All right. Well, because well, right. we wanted so Bernie been... Sanders. That's the person right. we want. That's the guy we wanted, and uh, and he was railroaded. You know, out of the convention and all that stuff. And the thing is, it just shows how nasty that the, the Democrat, the Democratic Party, has become. And what they're showing their true colors—that they're mm-hmm. all about just greed, and everybody else can go to hell. That's that's well, what the Republican Party is the same they've, way. They've essentially become what they yeah. accuse the Republicans of. So it's <laughs> that same smelted, delted thing. You know, yeah. that's what they do when they they accuse the Republicans of things that they're secretly trying to do. You know. <laughs> And well, that's um, projection. We call those projection so, crimes. But you look at any hearing, yeah. you know, any hearing into corruption, uh, the, the Democrat members of the, of the Congress are always right there trying to sabotage, trying to, you know, when they had the whistleblowers, the FBI whistleblowers, um, you know, all the, all the Democrats on the panel were, were saying, oh, you're wonderful you know, uh, to oh, Chris Ray. 
you know, Chris Ray is wonderful. He's a great human being. And the course, Republicans are saying, hey, dude, how many uh, how many members of your, uh, you know, of, of the FBI were there January 6th? You know, and the Democrats, and how dare you ask that question? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the Democrats you know, don't you know, have a good view. They're supposed to as... answer your questions. That's, yeah. that's really obnoxious. You know, Mayorkas too, like they should get mm-hmm. rid of that guy. He comes there and he's almost got a little smirk on his face. Like I'm oh, he's arrogant. to be here. Well, he's, he's psychotic and, as far as um, I'm concerned. He's pathologically lying. He has no conscience. You have to answer the questions. You have, you have to answer yeah. the questions of the people in this case. It's the Congress. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. answer their questions. You can't sit there and say, I don't know, or I don't you know, you're the head of that organization. You're responsible for it. You need to know these things. And they're not asking, like, you know, how many uh, creams of sugar do you have in the cafeteria? They're, they're asking questions his that they, job, that you easily know the answer to. But they're asking the wrong questions. Yeah. His job is to open the border and get as many people in as quickly as possible. That's his job. That's his job description. So asking him, you know, if the border is secure, when his job is to make sure it's not secure, is kind of irrational. So the Republicans are being idiots. You know, it's funny. You're just as critical of Democrats. I'm just as critical of Republicans. It's really kind of funny. Um, yeah, but that's one thing we're, we're having in common is that, you know, we're, we're seeing problems. Our parties are idiots. What I call contagion within yeah. our parties. You know, it's like the Democrats used to fight for the people who, who you know, couldn't fight for themselves. And the Republicans used to, you know, fight for, I guess, the other guys. And now the whole thing's got turned upside down and there's this kind of middle organization, the deep state that's corrupted both of our parties. And we're yeah. seeing that on both sides. We're seeing that you got the Freedom Caucus on the other side saying, you know, Mitch McConnell's, you know, human garbage. And you got <laughs> me on my side saying the same thing about Pelosi. And we're both right. We're both right. We need to get the, we've, we've got to get a, a Freedom Caucus, Progressive Caucus, Caucus. <laughs> we've got to get the, you know, because I agree. The, people that, the people that have passion. Did you see that, that interview love this country? with Ro and Matt Gates called The Swamp? What happened? It was great. You know, what? When was this? There, uh, that there was an HBO documentary called The Swamp. Um, look around, you'll find. It came out a couple of years ago, and it was like okay. Matt Gates and Rokana sitting there saying on how they agree on things, you know, like uh, term limits. And I signed term limit pledge was one of the first things I signed. It was one of the first pledges I signed. It was the first pledge. And I, as far as I know, I'm the only Democrat who signed that pledge. You know, so I'm in the same class as Gates and um, Marco Rubio and. Uh, Who's that Texas senator from Canada um, with Ted the Cruz. beard? Ted Cruz. You Ted Cruz. So I'm in. The, so I'm in that bank. So I definitely yeah. agree that should happen. I see a lot of those progress. Uh, fire, um, freedom. Well, Matt guys, Gates and AOC talk quite really a bit. Like apparently, you know, AOC and yeah. Matt Gates talk a lot. That's what I think. So that they should both come on the show. This kind of like spectrum wrap yeah. around and meet yeah. each other on the other end, and then. So that you know, actually, I agree that. It, that's fairly common, actually, in, in certain causes, like yeah. uh, conservatives might be against the war in Ukraine because it, um, it screws up the economy. It's horrible for us. It's a waste of tax dollars. It's totally awful. Democrats may be against it because it takes you know, money away from programs that they want, you know, so, but they still want the war to end. We still don't want money to go there. It's the same kind of thing, reason. really. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's taking money away for things that we don't need to pay for. Mm-hmm. That's what it's... it's that's what we yeah. don't need to be sending a billion dollars a week. It's, this is going to become a financial Vietnam. That's what yeah. it is. And the people dying on our streets are dying by proxy because of it, because we can't help them. I mean, it's like if we, didn't ha- if we were like this gleaming society where the streets are clean, everybody's happy, nobody lives on the street, 
everybody's driving nice cars and like basically like the 50s. Yeah, maybe you can give some money to Ukraine. But <laughs> not, <laughs> now, not now, you know. Yeah. Not now. What are you guys thinking? You know, like San Francisco is going to hell. There's like a 30% vacancy rate for businesses. Wow. And, you know, the, the whole the Union Square looks like a ghost town if you look at the buildings. I used to be and, there all the time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, don't I used send to a billion dollars time. to Ukraine. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, it's like Gump well, is, is leaving too. That's what they're saying. Oh no. Well, here's something you can take the progressive yeah. Congress. Take go. Uh, you, you've got my bill on my constitutional amendment to stop Congress borrowing money, right? Mm. If, if not, I'll send it to you. Yeah. If if you really want to stop inflation and put money in people's pockets and transfer the money back to people from the central banks and from the government to get uh, not inflation but deflation. 5%, maybe 10%, hold the money supply constant, you'll give everybody in this country the greatest pay raise imaginable. And as the national debt gets paid off, because we're not borrowing, you know, this is my 90-second warning, we can go a little over time. But as you get the national debt paid off mm-hmm. and the interest paid off, there'll be a fortune available for a bunch of things. Now, here's something I, I would agree with you on. Uh, well, maybe we'll see. Um, I like the idea of, of school choice, you know, where people take vouchers and are able to get uh, uh, money for their kids, either public or private. We could do the same thing with health. So one of the biggest problems we have, and this is probably something we're going to agree on, um, is that it's insane for people to die because they don't have enough money for health insurance or medical costs. That makes no sense. To yes. Me. So what I would love to no. see, rather than a guaranteed income, is something the same, you know, health choice plan with vouchers that people have for school choice. So in other words, you know, instead of funding, instead of borrowing money. Instead of spending, spending yeah, I, spend I never bought into why the voucher program was bad. Yeah, I, I never well, got, it's I because never the teachers liked. unions. Yeah, teachers unions want government schools. But if your if your goal is educating and, and giving parents mm, choice, no, teachers want teachers want good pay and fair benefits. That's not what that's not correct. Yeah, but, and I don't mind teachers um, unionizing, I, I, but I, I, what I don't is the political part where it gets kind of crazy. Nice to be a teacher. The, so the I know thing about is, the, uh-huh. I think what I know what's going on is um, the, the schools are structured so that they need to have a certain capacity to work properly, and you know that would mean a major, major restructuring of the public school system if we were to have like these kind of like micro schools that are funded by the voucher system. So I, yeah, it's definitely a huge restructuring issue. But, you know, in principle, yeah, I think people should have a voucher. You know, if they want to take their kids to, uh, you know, private school, mm-hmm. or Catholic school, if I wanted to. Um, yeah, and you could make it pay income a double base. tax on that. You know, if, you're, if you've got a $500,000 income, you don't need a voucher. You know, so if you even want to graduate yeah. partway, like uh, the Arizona, I looked at the, uh, the Arizona, was it the Arizona plan? Oklahoma plan. Because we have our, our teenage reporter, mm-hmm. Brianna, is from Oklahoma, sent me that plan. So it is graduated. So in other words, you get a voucher based on, on income. So if you, have a, you know, if you make a certain amount of money, you don't need a voucher, but you can still get a tax credit or a tax deduction. So there's still ways to do it. But the same thing, if you do that with health. So in other words, if you had for, for the lower income folks, if they had a voucher, which they could take to a health insurance company or, or HMO or something, health maintenance organization or someplace like that. Uh, in other words, they could uh, handle their own health costs and that would cover basic insurance so people wouldn't die simply because they didn't have the money. That would be a huge benefit. And you, there's plenty of money to pay for that because, you know, you take all the, the money that we spend on wars. What is it? $14 trillion between uh, Iraq, Afghanistan and Ukraine. $14 trillion. Yeah. It's a ridiculous it's amount disgusting. of money. Okay. We could and, have and easily. And gas is still high. Yeah. We could have easily. Gas prices are still high. 
Well gas, well, gas prices are high because we don't develop our own energy. That's a different story. That's a supply and demand issue. But I think it'd be and, interesting. And, really and they really don't have any freedom. They didn't accomplish anything they meant to do. Oh, with the wars? No, of course not. But they have, no, yeah. well, what they accomplished was making the military, industrial, banking, government complex rich. That's what these wars are for. That they did. Yeah, yeah. they did that pretty well. Yeah, and see, that's the problem. So now you and I agree on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but look at the uh, look, look up Tucker Carlson. Yeah, look up Tucker Carlson's interview with uh, Colonel Doug McGregor, who's been on the show. Um, he's amazing, mm-hmm. and he talks about four hundred thousand you know Ukrainians killed. There's no reason for it. Fourteen million have already left the country. It's been totally destroyed, and the only reason for that war is because NATO insisted on making Ukraine a member. That's really what it came down to. If we just left them alone, they would have figured it out. Eastern Europe, Russia, they would have worked it out. But because we're there spending hundreds of billions of dollars, mm-hmm. they're totally screwing it up. So let's, let's here's, yeah. this would be great to get some, uh, see if the squad wants to talk, you know, I'd love to get them on the show. Um, maybe not all together, could get a little loud. <laughs> we're all talking at once. I'm trying to avoid that. But if you could bring AOC or some folks mm-hmm. on, it would be fascinating because I think we could, you know, find some, some especially if I get Gates at the same time, that'd be really cool. Um, but if we could find the ground yeah. that we don't need to be funding um, these wars and most of the war, most of the money that's going to those wars was borrowed money. You know, we borrowed for yeah. Iraq twice. We borrowed for Afghanistan for 20 years. We borrowed for, for Ukraine. We borrowed for Korea. We borrowed for Vietnam. All these wars are on borrowed money. So one of the best things we can do, if you want to save that, that money and use it for a health voucher system, which I would agree to instantly, I see no reason for in the richest country in the world. There's no reason for, for people to die for lack of health insurance when we're spending 14 plus trillion dollars on wars that don't accomplish anything. Even if they did accomplish something, something yeah. it would probably would still be a bad idea. But if we could do that, if we could just stop the the uh, the war funding, stop the deficit funding, stop the borrowing, let's look into a real decent plan, you know, of, about your plan. And it could be at the state level, it could be the local, it could be federal. I don't know. Those details we can work out after we stop the borrowing, but we have to stop the borrowing. That is the greatest way of prosperity yeah, have, for everybody. We have to stop the money in Ukraine. Yeah, and, well, that's, but that's only the, part of it. It's only, Maui, I'm talking about billions. To, actually, talking about trillion, actually trillions yeah. of dollars. They didn't have to borrow any money for COVID. And, and it flows so easily. Like, you know, if one yeah. government program wants like a few million dollars of a fucking huge mm-hmm. debate over it that goes for weeks, no, it's mm-hmm. like Ukrainian money. Let's, let's write them a check right now. Yep. yep. You, you don't need but to if, have if, like, those discussions that we put on for C-SPAN. No, no, we're just we're going to bypass all that, you know, because yeah, that's I mean, bullshit. Just, you know, we're going to they don't even gonna have a debt ceiling. Give now. you the money yeah. right off the bat, yeah. and everybody but hates if they, it. If you yeah. watch the debate, if you watch the debates when they said get out of Ukraine, everybody yeah. in the audience cheered, and that was a Democrat. Uh, that was a Republican audience. It was a hand-picked Republican audience for. Uh, oh wow! Okay, so yeah, you told me that before, and yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I want to see that moment. I think that's very interesting. But this is something I really believe we can agree on. I think the American people would love it. I think the uh, the Washington oh, yeah. insiders would hate it. The Americans because don't all, want to be want to yeah. Ukraine. It's a it's a deep state thing. It's like because um, they just no, don't not want, just Ukraine. You know, Putin getting any more power. But borrowing money. I mean, nobody's ever really thought of taking away the power of Congress yeah. to borrow money. But that would solve so many of our things. And people say, "What about a war? What about this? What about that?" Well, you save up for it if you need to, or better still, don't wage it. You know, if uh, China launches missiles at us and they're going to be here in fifteen minutes. Right. The last thing Congress is going to do is meet and borrow money. OK, we've got other things to do. Yeah. So if you aren't ready for it, well, that's why you have a chief executive. It's too late. Exactly. 
you know, and if we could stop mm-hmm. these ridiculous expenditures, I mean, COVID, $7 trillion for COVID, none of that money had to be spent because we knew that the real cure was hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, you know, zinc, zithromycin, vitamin D, vitamin C. And that hydroxychloroquine was going wow. for like 20 cents a pill. You know, we, could, we, we didn't have to borrow mm-hmm. any money just to stop COVID. COVID is pretty much, if you look at every show that I do, have you seen the CDC uh, chart that I put on every show showing the COVID deaths went to zero? In July of 2020. Sorry. Check out the mm-hmm. show when I said, well, check the link for this show. It's, it's, on, it's on one of the slides, you know. So I do it every day. Mm-hmm. Can't miss it, <laughs> you know. But I still think that's the key. So we need to, I agree, we need to get money in people's pockets. We need to have a standard of living where the income that people, the average income is like $35,000 a year. Well, sounds about right. Yeah, but you can't afford an apartment in San Francisco with 35000 a year. That's your rent right That's there. That's because the bottom eighty, the bottom eighty percent of America owns seven percent of its wealth. That's from that's from Robert Wright, former Labor Secretary. Right. Okay. That's a terrible statistic. And, oh, it's, only, is. and it's only getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom eighty so percent of America owns seven percent of its wealth. That's criminal. Yeah. That, that is a fundamental. But if we stop the borrowing, if we stop one. the transfer. If we stop the borrowing, we stop the transfer of that money away from the, mm-hmm. from Americans. We stop the transfer to government. Stop the transfer to central banks. Stop the transfer to the military industrial complex. We stop well, the transfer to all kinds of different got, places by simply some stopping the borrowing. Some transfer has to be stopped. It's happening, and some transfer is happening, and it needs to be stopped. That's for sure. Agreed. So, because yeah. um, that that's okay. yeah, there's definitely some nasty transfer that is happening, and it needs to be stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's why we need to have a, a well-regulated kind of free market society to keep these kinds of things from happening. That's you know, a contradiction, so we, though. We, we have an upper class. Time. That's fine. Uh, a well-regulated yeah, we free can. market society. I don't think you can do that because if it's well-regulated, it's not a free you market. You can. It just means a lot of work. Okay. You can. You can. Huh. It's going to be interesting. We can do anything. So take... we, created, <laughs> we created free energy. We created yeah. free energy. We went to the... We landed on on Mars, uh, you know, a probe the size of a Buick, yep. from another probe the size of a Buick. I mean, mm. that was amazing. I cried when I watched mm-hmm. that. Mm. It was beautiful <laughs> to to watch them to watch another probe hover, mm. you know, engage air breathing engines to hover over Mars and deploy another probe on the ground. Don't, don't tell I haven't me seen that yet. I, I look at the Mars probe. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay. There's yeah. so many. We, we we did we invented CRISPR. You know what CRISPR is? It allows. I've heard of it. It allows easy, easy editing of the genome. Yeah. Now we we can create well, any kind of human being for, want, yeah. kind of animal. Re, but when you use it for the COVID so shot, we've done a lot evil. of amazing things. Yeah. We've done a lot of amazing things. There's no way we can't solve these problems. Anybody who says we can't solve these problems is a jackass yeah. or a moron or both. We can solve these problems. They can be solved. It's just the people who are going to um, be hurt the most from the solutions mm-hmm. of fighting it. And that's your deep state right there. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. We, these problems have solutions. Oh, absolutely. These problems have um, solutions. We should end it for now, and I think if you want to come back Wednesday, um, yeah. I'd love to have you on every week, if, unless you're busy. I mean, and this happens for all reporters; they always have things come up. There's always things, so take a week off anytime you want. But let's talk about getting you on regularly because this is a really important conversation. And let's see if we can get the progressives and the freedom and the freedom caucus and the uh, 
the the progressive caucus together to get them talking, get a conference going. Yeah, they agree that'd be, more that'd be a really good thing. State. Yeah, really let's work thing. on that too. You know, you talk to your people, I'll talk to my people, they'll do lunch, we'll figure it out, it'll be good. Thank you, <laughs> Bianca. Appreciate it. All right. Good seeing you, Greg. Bye. Good talking to you too. You have a good week. All right. Um, we'll talk soon. Yeah. All right. So there's my week. Uh, this has been fun. I played everything I need to play to so end up with our, our ending music, but uh, accomplished a lot. And the big thing is going to be what happens, you know, with Tucker Carlson and the possibilities, A, of the course of the debate, I'm talking about the, uh, the Trump Kennedy thing, but more important than that, um, if he's interested enough in what we're doing here at Action Radio to have me on the show and especially to have me on his show to actually write a bill on the air that would make history, that would change politics, that would do things that have never been done before. Um, and uh, it would open up uh, the, the whole field of legislation to everybody in ways that have never, that people have never thought of because they all think you need lawyers. You know, people still ask me, well, don't you have a team of lawyers looking at your bills? No, I just write them. I send them to Congress. They've got a team of lawyers. They're going to look at it anyway. You know, that's why you, that's why you send your bills to a legislature. Yeah, I know they're going to look at it. And if they modify and change it to the point where it's unrecognizable or useless, I'm not going to support it. As long as they keep the bills close to what we wrote, I'm good. This has been a great week. I'll see you all Monday morning, uh, 7 a.m. Central Time, and just like we do every day, and we will do it all again. So have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.